everybody, and welcome to another episode of MTG Rants. I'm Kenny Grace, as always, I'm joined by Ross Marion, but our duo is a quartet tonight, Ross. Uh, you want to introduce our, our guests? Yeah, so we've got uh, you know two of them joining us. First up, we have Liz Lynn. Say hi, Liz. Howdy, everybody. And second guest, Mark Nestico. Say hi, Mark. Hi, everybody. I don't have them trained like I do Rob on Versus. They don't just repeat verbatim everything I say. Yeah, I was going to say I was a little disappointed with... Uh, <laughs> I thought Liz was going to get you on it, and then she didn't. But So this is a very special episode of MTG Rants. Um, we saw some discourse on... Uh, Twitter about uh, these two wanting to jump on a podcast together and what was the phrase you use invade a podcast I think is what you said we're storming the beaches yeah storming yeah. the beaches like crashing a wedding but podcast form I oh I like that analogy and I could not pass up this opportunity uh Liz we actually had a big talk about uh having her on the show when we were uh the the pioneer podcast back talking about MTG finance right when that uh, came out in the before times yeah in the before times like you know <laughs> pre-covid which is I think that's going to be a way people talk about their lives from now on in the future you know you're like you know uh you know, pre-college or whatever you're gonna be like yeah where were you pre-covid like what was going on before the world changed and we talked a lot about that it never really worked out we couldn't make it happen and then pioneer kind of died for like six months and stuff so but we're going to get some of the expertise today. Uh, we've got some some good questions set up for the show. Uh, we'll have some organic stuff happen along the show. And like, let's just jump right into it, actually. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Uh, I got to say this. I, I've known both of you for quite a while. Liz, I've pretty much like always known you as someone that's that's at least dipped their toe into like the buying, selling, MTG finance part of Magic. Mark, you've been a little bit more recent, but you're like full on diving into it. Uh, what really like brought y'all into it? What got you into this? Like what got you, you know, super interested in this? Liz, let's start with you. Uh, so I grew up with not a ton of money, which meant that I wanted to play games of Wizard Cardboard and Wizard Cardboard is expensive. So I learned how to trade and figure out what was going to go up and try and predict what was going to be hot. And that was, was how I got into it initially. Um, and then I got my first job at a game store at 17. Um, and from there, I started managing their singles inventory. And uh, once I got into college, I was paying my tuition flipping collections. Um, and then out of college, I didn't take a normal career path. I went full-time into vending. And I've been doing full-time vending for the better part of four or five years now. Mark, you want to tell us a little bit about your journey? Uh, yeah, I guess. I was a, um, I was what they used to call backpack vendors. Uh, which means I was a I was a, a trade shark. I was I was a bad bad person. Um, what do you What do you value this card at? What do you value this card at? <laughs> oh yeah, I was one of those where it was like I had to eke out pennies and nickels and dollars. But I I did that because I I'm like Liz. I I grew up without a ton of money. Grew up in a really rough part of Pittsburgh, and uh, whenever I saw that there was an opportunity in Magic to make money while having a great collection, having access to all the decks that you wanted, I you know, I kind of, I've always loved the thrill of the hunt. So it was like hunting down collections, hunting down trades and all that. And it just sort of, uh, blossomed into, uh, the, the business that I do now. Nice. Uh, I was going to say, would, would either one of y'all change a thing looking back on it? Oh yeah. I, uh, I made a lot of mistakes and lost a lot of money. Uh, I, I probably would have taken a normal career path for a few years uh, become an actual adult before I started a business because <laughs> uh, 22 was too young to start a business. 
I was a literal toddler. <laughs> uh, what's the joke about magic players? We're all like five years behind what we're what our actual age is. So you would technically be like a seventeen year old, you know, at that time, because you know, <laughs> magic stunts our growth so much. Well, and, I, I know, vacillate between being a toddler and being an eighty year old man. I'm not I, never oh, in yeah. between. I'm just toddlers one or the other. are eighty year old men. They they, go, <laughs> they fall asleep on the couch. They they're ornery for no reason. Uh, they know everything, uh, and they're always right. They drink a lot and then pass out right after. Yeah, oh, yeah. Drink. Yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> that sounds like my life. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you are my you son. <laughs> <laughs> and Liz, you kind of mentioned this about, you know, you made some mistakes. That was actually one of the questions that one of our viewers had coming in. So I'm going to, you know, dive right into this for each one of y'all. Um, for someone who is interested in what y'all do, like uh, MTG Finance, they maybe want to get into the the buying, selling ra- uh, realm. You know, th- there are backpack warriors, but now uh, they see this life, they kind of want to do it more. What are some of those common mistakes that people have had? Like, what can they learn from you? Like, what can they, you know, th- learn from my mistakes t- type moment? Mark, let's start actually with you this time. Um, I think the, the, the common mistake that people make is one, they overestimate their own abilities because magic players always have to be the smartest person in the room, you know, regardless of if they are or not. Um, you see a ton of stores get opened up because people want to treat it like it's their secret clubhouse rather than a business. And with myself and Nextridge, um, we very much treat it like it's a business based 100% around customer service. It revolves around taking care of customers and ensuring their happiness. But a lot of people that are just getting into this game think it's it's a lot of uh they don't understand the amount of work that goes into it you they think you just sit around and you're like bring me your magic cards and then people do and you're like i'm rich (laughs) fools but the truth of it is it is it is an insane amount of micromanaging constantly paying attention to the market and the biggest mistake is it it's just not taken seriously enough they look at it like it's a you know like when i was a server for years people look at that like you're some sort of like Neanderthal, that let me take your order. Okay, thanks, bye. But the truth of it is, is that it's it's incredibly uh, intricate, and being able to do it well and being able to do it are two entirely different entities. Yeah, I can totally see that. You know, you think about you know, I've I've thought about doing it myself at times and being like, yeah, the the, the collections will fall in your lap, and then people will be like, hey. Give me all those cars that you just bought, and I want to give you this huge margin on it, and you can just turn around and do it all over again. And that's definitely not how it is. Liz, what are some mistakes people uh, can learn from from you? Uh, I think Mark touched on a little bit about overestimating your abilities, but beyond that, it's just people don't realize what they don't know. They don't they don't know the right places to look for resources because there's so few resources for this industry. Most of the people who know things keep it as a closely guarded secret. And the people who are willing to share things are often the people who are less experienced. That's changed a little bit recently uh, with things like, you know, a lot of uh, finance discords opening up and people writing more articles that are a little bit more front facing as opposed to just like little tips and, and tidbits. But it's actually like real, actual market information. Um, but yeah, people don't know what they don't know. And until you can figure that out, you can't start learning. Um, people also tend to overestimate how far their dollar will go. People think that they're just going to walk out there and buy an underground sea for 50% of what they're going to sell it for. And they're going to sell it immediately. Like, that's not how it works. You know, you, 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 your margins are smaller than you think they are. Your costs are higher than you think they are. Um, and if you're paying yourself, like, if you're supporting yourself with it, you know, you actually have bills to pay with this. You're not just, like, funded by some bigger entity. Like, that eats into your, your profit, right? Like, you, 
$3,000 a year profit a month goes to rent and bills and all that. So people just overestimate what they what they can do. Yeah. So uh, as a follow-up to that, what are some of the places where you're able to find, you know, uh, collections or find cards or find deals that most people who may be getting into this wouldn't be aware of? Um, so Facebook groups are actually a really good place for that. You can buy things with enough margin to actually make money on them. You have to be very knowledgeable to do that and have your price and, and know what your, your outs are and what your nets are after fees. But, uh, Facebook groups are good. Honestly, Mark's Twitter. I think I buy a couple <laughs> hundred bucks and stuff from him every time he does sales that I just flip myself because look, here's the thing. I don't understand their business model, but it's clearly working, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we, you don't need we, to understand it to make money off of it, right? Right. <laughs> we we work with people like Liz. They they get and I don't like to say preferential treatment, but they do. Um because it's a very much a, a symbiotic relationship between between vendors that um you know, if if there's a collection that seems good for us but doesn't seem good for Liz or seems good for Liz but doesn't seem good for us, we're she's the first one that we would kick it to or or we're the first one that she would kick it to and a lot of vendors through arbitrage will will make purchases off of me because I'm a I'm like a I'm a glutton for social media presence when it comes to people touting, uh, tweeting, and making updates regarding uh, the product that we're trying to sell. So I, I offer those deals to people and do giveaways based on what kind of social media influence they can bring. And it's it's for me it's been incredible, but. I guess Facebook groups, the, the problem with Facebook groups is that they're moderated by people that are also doing what we're doing. So, uh, you know, if, if a beautiful collection comes in, 80 dual lands, power nine and whatnot, well, guess what? That has to go, that has to be approved first by a moderator. And the moderator is the person that could just very easily message that person and say, hey, um, before this post goes live, like I wanted to talk to you. And then that's how a lot of them make their, their, uh, I mean, I'll just, I'll just say it. They do that. The, I mean, that's our, that's something you're going to hear complaints from people saying, why does Mark tell us that? Well, that's, that's one fortunate, unfortunate aspect of Facebook, but it is an incredible resource for people that are just starting out. Um, it gives them basically the entire country at their fingertips to, uh, to compete with other people. But if you make the deals, then, then they're killer deals for you. So there was an interesting point you made early in that response, Mark, where you, you talked about collections that would be good for you and not good for Liz and vice versa. And as someone who is very much not well-versed in this area, I wouldn't think that there is a you know really significant difference and that there's really only one metric in it or two metrics, really. It's, you know, how much can I sell these cards for? I guess three. How much can I sell them for? How much am I buying them for? And how quickly is it going to sell? And that doesn't really, you know... Uh, change but from vendor to vendor but apparently it does so what are the differences what are the factors that would make a collection good for you and not good for you and and same question for you liz um i think there are in in regards to a bankroll b market that you're directing yourself towards and c the other ways that you know how to make money off of magic cards that don't involve direct sales to from me to you, you know, me selling a card, you buying it. Um, Liz is, is vastly more knowledgeable than I am when it comes to those other channels of how to make money 
when it comes to flipping magic cards. I am very much customer service person to person. Um, but she is, is a obscenely brilliant mind when it comes to, uh, taking cards and doing other things with them than just peer to peer selling. So it's about, you know, recognizing that this is an, a larger ecosystem than that and realizing that you can't, you know, play every single outlet that you have to sort of pick and choose where you're going to make your money and focus on those areas and do them well. Yeah, I mean, if I if if in a perfect world, it would be myself, Rusty and Liz, just us three running a business together that like if, if COVID wasn't a thing and I could steal her away from one of my buddies and she's my Internet daughter, by the way. So, and the Sky yeah, Rain she has, puppies. She has parents that she has to fight, you know, fight over. For. But um, if in a perfect world, I could I could steal her away and we could operate on multiple avenues. But you have to have somebody that is very well-versed in those other avenues. It's not just about, it's not like Star City Games where you can go onto a website and buy a card or go to Mark's Twitter and buy a card. There are many, many, many other ways. There's private collectors, there's um, de private dealers, grading cards, things like that, that you can get tons of extra money out of, but you have to be very knowledgeable on how to do that. Yeah, I think uh, I think a big thing that, that makes for a collection that's good for me, but not for Mark or, or vice versa is, um, Mark used the word arbitrage earlier, which if any, any listeners, you don't know what that means necessarily. Uh, it's or podcast hosts from, or podcast. Hosts. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like buying, I'm being called out here. I feel like I'm being singled out. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> it's buying something from one market and just selling it to another market, uh, at a profit. So, uh, for example, right now, standard cards are very bad in the U S right. But they're really good in, say, Japan, where they have in-person events because they took the pandemic seriously. Um, Must be. So, yeah. Go on. <laughs> I guess. Lucky them. Yeah. Um, so you can just buy standard cards in the U.S. and move them to Japan. Now, you have to have someone in Japan who can sell them to the buy list. You have to have uh, someone who you can know can receive packages in Japan from the U.S. right now. Um, and additionally, you have to have the, the time to research that information. So, for example, like... Buying a ton of $2 standard cards would be bad for Mark right now. But for me, that could be good because I could just sell them to Japan. Um, because, like, when you're selling on Twitter, selling $2 cards is not worth your time necessarily, right? There's customers who want to buy $50 cards and $100 cards, and you ideally want to be putting those things in front of them as opposed to $2 things. Makes sense. Makes sense. And I got to say this, from just hearing this whole last section from y'all, um, you know, I, I've been in Magic for a long time. Like I started in the '90s, you know. I've come and gone, but I remember that you know, growing up and stuff. That it was a lot more cutthroat in every aspect of the game. You know, like you had people that were like rules lawyer, wouldn't playing. If you were trading with someone and someone even made a comment around you when you did it, you would get like you know, uh, snapped at and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that's completely gone away, but it does sound like everyone is being a little more cordial with their, you know, I guess competition is a good way to put it. You know, I know y'all don't view each other as competition, but I think that it's awesome that you've, you've realized that multiple of y'all can exist within this ecosystem and it doesn't have to be all or nothing for each one of y'all individually. And that if you help each other out a little bit, it's good for both of you, right? Like, you know, it's a, it's a yeah. good give and take relationship. There are vendors that have the opposite view, which I'm not a big fan of, of calling people out. So I won't do that, but they exist. Um, most people know who they are. 
they they run a very singleton skeleton type crew where it's just them against the world and um they view it in in very uh binary very like me important you not important um but where the most success from the business model comes from is achieving that level of uh industry respect and understanding that the better relationships you make with people, the more avenues get opened up to you. I've had friends that have said, Hey man, my bankroll's low this month. I've made, you know, I've already bought 200 grand in collections. Like I'm going to kick over this 50 grand one to you because I can't, I can't do it. So then the next time, whenever my bankroll was low, you know, probably about three weeks ago, I kicked one right on, right on over back to them and just said, you know, I can't do a 30 grand collection right now, but you know, if you can, so it's, it comes down to professional courtesy first and foremost and not being a simple-minded child that believes that you are the most important person in the room when it comes to being a vendor. Yeah. And that seems to me to, to go along with that narrow view of the ecosystem of MTG finance, right? You get that narrow view. If you think you're tackling every single avenue that exists and you're the really important one and you want as much of that, the slice of that pie as possible. But once you realize that the pie is much bigger than you ever imagined and you're only ever going to have some, you know, only going to be able to compete over some piece of it, you're going to compete with someone even if they overlap into your piece a little and, you know, help them out on on their stuff and that the the rising tide will eventually lift all ships. So it all seems to to me to be tied together to that. No, it is. And they're they're always the people in the room that they – they can finish their Big Mac meal, but they they think that that means that they can finish like the Texas Roadhouse challenge with the ninety you know ounce steak and the the five sides and everything. Like, well, I've eaten a Big Mac. I can do that. You know, I've seen it on TV, and that's that's where you you start to realize that like there are people in this community that they do well, they're fine, they're well known, but they're also just very isolated from the rest of the community. It's like in Magic, you know, it's if you want to work with a team and you want to work with people then you can foster an incredible environment where everybody does well. Or if you want to just be a lone wolf, like, yeah, you'll have some tournament success here and there. You'll do well at events, you know, and people will be like, wow, if he can do it by himself, I can do it. And that sets the worst example is whenever they think that they can go in there and do what you're doing by themselves without having that support network. All right. So I know you said you didn't want to like call anybody out and I, I got to respect that, but I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to give you a chance to bitch and complain here. Both, both of y'all uh, right here. What's like the most annoying thing you run into or the thing that's like a big hurdle for you that you have to deal with at MTG Binance, buying and selling, etc.? Liz, you want to go first? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love <laughs> to complain about customers. She's, she's, got, she's got it loaded and ready. Uh, there is a specific type of customer that I have named after a Twitter user who I won't say out of respect for not bombarding this person. Um, many of us know of this person as the biggest dipshit on Twitter. Um, but this type of customer messages you and says, hey, I'm interested in this card. Can I get pictures of it? And it's like, you know, a $15 card, but you're like, whatever, I'll oblige you the first time. And you send them pictures of it and they never respond to you. And then two weeks later, you're posting deals again and they message you and they say, hey, can I get pictures of this card? And you say, no pictures this time. And they say, okay, what's the price? And you give them the price and then they don't respond to you. And then two weeks later, they do the same thing until eventually you block them. But there are dozens of this person on Twitter. And there are dozens, dozens. of us. <laughs> yeah. What? I would pay well, money for dozens. I, that actually brings me to an interesting point, Mark. Uh, I think, on average, my customers are more well-behaved than yours. 
oh, we yeah, have a lot of overlap. 100%. But like, I think people are scared of me. I, th- I was gonna say this. 100%. I think I, it, there's. Don't take this personally, Mark. I just have a feeling Liz demands a little bit more well-behaved, like I don't want to say respect, but like just you know, someone to be a little more um, tight-lipped because they, I think they're they know that Liz will just squash them, and that you know, <laughs> since you're like still newish mark and i don't i i, I can't believe i'm saying newish because it seems like you've almost cornered the twitter market but people are just like oh, he's oh such i a nice... am the twitter market yeah 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 <laughs> it's like i am the twitter market yeah. but you know you just seem so much more new to some people that they're like oh i can kind of i could be a little more flippant with this guy yeah i i come from a world of of customer service where i was you know a manager and a national trainer and i opened up restaurants across the country and my whole shtick has always been yes you know, mm-hmm. uh, oblige and indulge that those are the, the tenets of being good in the service industry um, and getting yourself to a level where you could make, you know, 60, 70, $80,000 a year serving tables. It's, it's just those two tenets, oblige and indulge. So we have people that have been messaging me since we started doing this back in, my God, in May, it's almost been a year now, um, that they have been messaging me and they'll message me three or four times per weekend per sale. So about, you know, I'll get like 10 messages from them every every month. They still haven't bought anything from me. No way. Not oh, a single yeah. thing? Swear to God. There, there's one guy in particular. And I'll, I'll and like Liz said, like I'm never going to call this person out because it's – but it's it's a laundry list of magic cards that I have posted. They wait till like Sunday night at 7 o'clock when sales are just about to close – They'll send me, oh, I've been following your sales. Here's 25 cards. Let me get the prices of them. I need pictures of this, 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 and this. And my dumb ass, what do I do? I do it. I, you know, It's like I always post on Twitter, do the work, do the right thing. But sometimes the work sucks and the right thing is not the right thing. It's just, it's, it's the one time that I don't do it and that I tell them to go fuck themselves that they make a tweet about it and other people read it and those other people, even if that person has 10 followers, if it turns away one potential customer that was like thinking about getting involved in my sales, but their only you know f- interface with me is, hey, that guy said something mean to my friend, then they're not going to come to me and I could lose out on a big order. So that's why I pretty much, you know, do the old look, look when it comes to giving people the... Uh, you know, this is just the person that goes into the ice cream parlor and gets 15 free samples and then walks out. 32 flavors, baby. Back yeah, <laughs> like that. That's that's who you're talking about, right? That's not sponsored. Those, that's yeah. what they've got those little spoons for. <laughs> yeah. Talking about. So you'll, you'll both have the same, the same complaint for most annoying. Anything else uh, that pops up? Uh, you get the price hagglers that they, they like, always they want have, a dollar. They have off. to feel like they're I, I tell them they're winning because yeah. that's what they always have to feel like they're doing. Oh, if if I'm selling an underground sea six months ago for $480 they and I, they would be like, well, what kind of discount can I get on it? Well, I always give discounts as Liz will tell you, I always give discounts. Um, and I'll offer those. And then an already generous discount, like say I, I brought it down from 480 to 465. It's now cheaper than anything you can get on TCG low per that condition. Well, they'll say, well, would you do 450? And I'm like, well, first off, I already took off fifteen bucks for you. Now you want thirty bucks off. But I'll even at that point, I'm I'm stupid. You see, I'm stupid. I don't give a fuck. I'm stupid. I don't understand myself. I'll I'll give them another. I'll be like, all right, I'll drop it down to 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 four sixty, and they'll be like four sixty five. 
And I'm like, or 455. And I'm like, you motherfucker. Like, just take the deal. Just take it. Just take the deal. But they don't. And they still have to feel like they're winning. So, like, it will settle on, like, 457. So, my uh, my dumbass. 456. 56. Oh, yeah. You know what? (laughs) Yep. Sure. You're winning. You beat me. That's what they do. (laughs) I mean, that's. (laughs) And they they look at that as a weakness. Like, I'm a pushover. And there are people that have probably gotten, like, a thousand bucks in discounts off of me since we started doing this. Because they think they can get over on me. And I just want them to know, if you're listening, like, you're not really getting over on me. I, it's, it's like the casino, and Tannen will tell you, we always get your money in the end. Yeah, Vegas wasn't built on winners. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, you, you might think, wow, Mark really just bent over and, and, you know, let me take everything I wanted from him. But it's like, but did he really? Like, did he really? And that's like, there's like two real different philosophies there, where there's like the, you know, the, you, you, you're very flexible, and like you said, indulge and... and and all that. And then there's just the, I have my prices there for If you don't like them, you can go kick rocks. <laughs> uh, and are like, I more, don't. Are you more in the mostly firm while he's more yeah. in the indulge? Okay. So I think my prices start out a little bit lower than Mark's, but I also don't budge, right? Like, so ultimately, I think we end up about around the same price point. But I just like, I value my time more than anything. And honestly, wrongfully so. Like, I imagine Mark's customers on average leave with a happier experience than mine. But also, like, I have to keep my sanity because I do everything myself in my operation, right? So I just, I have to, I have to tell people, like, I don't want to deal with you. You can go kick rocks or you can give me money. Like, fuck you, pay me. Yeah, I like, um, I like that mentality. That, that's yeah. the kind of seller I would be. I, I have no patience for haggling over dollars in, in any capacity. I hate doing it. If I were selling something, I would just like, this is the amount of money you need to give me to get this item. That's the end of it. Ross is totally a Liz. I'm totally a Mark. So it's, it's nice that we have the the, the one yeah. of each here. I like it. All right, let's go full 180 on this. What's like the best part of your job? Like what's some of the coolest stuff that's happened? And then we can go into more specifics after that. Whoever just, yeah. Okay. Uh, so there's a couple of real high highs in this industry. The the one that first pops in my mind because of the way sales went today is when you see the big number in your, your PayPal account or your bank account. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, I, I fucking did that. That was me. I'm the buying extra, myself a steak dinner. The extra, digit, the extra, you get to the extra digit on the day or whatever. Yep. The oh, most yeah. rewarding part was when he gave me my money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's also like back when when Grand Prix were a thing. Remember those days? No, not at all. Where people could do stuff. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, buying at a, at a Grand Prix, I would just uh, like on like Sunday evening, I'd been buying for like 30 hours over the weekend on 12 hours of sleep, and I'm just exhausted. And I'm driving home half asleep from New Jersey or whatever. And I just, that, that exhaustion almost is like a high. Oh yeah, I get that. Yeah. It's like a, it's like the thing that people at uh, it's music like a, festivals get. Yeah, it's like a euphoric high. Because you're like, I have accomplished what I set out to do. I've done it. I know that I put in the time and the effort. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm proud of me. You know, kind of thing. Like, I, I don't have it from the direct experience you're talking about, the same one. But, you know, like long poker sessions or, you know, sporting right. events, stuff like that. Yeah, it's a weird euphoric high for sure. It's, it's the same kind of high you get when you, like, spend the entire day, like, deep cleaning your apartment. And, you know, like, you sit down on the couch at the end of the day and you're like, feel it's the feeling of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Like, your elbow hurts from scrubbing and you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah that's right. I did that. My yeah. elbow hurts every day because I'm old, but, yeah. <laughs> My back. Mark, what about you? What are some of the, the most like cool, rewarding parts and stuff? 
for me, the most rewarding part was getting me out of serving tables. I, I, you know, I, I went to college. I've been educated. Your Twitter account makes it sound so glamorous. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, I, I do miss the serving stories, but anyway, Uh, it got to the point where I like telling them, you start to relive them and have like flashbacks, you know. But it was, I had a weekend where I, and I won't discuss money because of the vulgarity of it, but I made more in one weekend doing this than I had done in two of my best months ever in serving tables. And that involved working 60 plus hour work weeks back to 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 back for, for months on end. And I stopped at a waffle house at like two in the morning. And I ordered my, I ordered my smothered and chunked hash browns Remember slow down slow down mark yeah he's almost there (laughs) and you know i i sat there eating it and i like it was the best meal i've ever had in my life because it was the meal that i knew that i was going to get to quit serving tables and it was like you know i know ross is like he's all about the simpsons and it was like a a mighty cheer rose up (laughs) because the evil lemon tree had been banished (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it was haunted you know like that's that's how i felt about like whenever and it, it was like that scene from the simpsons played up in my head like where the guy's just sitting on a rock and he's like it's like it, it was banished that's the season like, six episode lemon of troy by the way yeah he was on jeopardy i wasn't but that's that's 100 how it feels like when you know that you can do this and you can provide for yourself and your family and you're like i might hate this job sometimes but man it is so much better than anything else i could be doing i I just get this mental image of you like gleefully sobbing into your waffles at waffle house (laughs) like you know that 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 i've made it moment hits you and you just have like the you don't have the shoulder shaking like sobbing into your into your waffles and hash browns people have like this uh this like caricature of a vendor in their head like you're probably super poor. You're probably super nerdy. You're probably super like socially awkward and inept. And you know, you only do this, blah, 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 blah. Like the truth is, is like, if you're good at this, like you can, you can blow out the doors. Like you can really, you can a make a lot of money, B be happier than you've ever been doing anything. And after that, all the pieces just kind of fall into place. It makes you work twice as hard now because before I was working 60 hour work weeks at a restaurant where I was running a private dining affair with one of my partners. And now I'm, I'm working 60, 70 hours a week, but I'm doing it with magic cards. Like, yes. So, so you're in your, you're in your happy place. Yeah. What, what exactly did you order at this Waffle house? <laughs> Ross, the important questions. <laughs> I get the same thing. Every time I get one waffle, I get a regular uh, waffle, pecan waffle, regular waffle. Okay. I'm, I'm a glutton for the regular. Uh, I get the uh, cheddar and ham uh, hash browns. I get a double order. Oh yeah. So so chunked and uh, smothered. Smothered yeah. Smothered yeah. Uh, white toast with butter and bacon. All right. I I approve of this order. I miss the uh, Waffle House so much. Let, let's go a little deeper, and I want to start. I want to start with you, Liz, on this one. What's like the coolest buy you've ever had? And like, it could be anything crazy from like there were some cool cards involved, or a cool story that happened, or it led to something crazy. Because like, didn't you once like broker a deal to get a car in between? Like, like, <laughs> like through a bunch of cars. I remember seeing some like down the line. You were like, well, this deal. I'll let you tell the story. Whatever, whatever you want to say. Go nuts. 
So my coolest one isn't actually the car story, but I'll start with the car story. Sure. Um, I was at GP Niagara Falls, and on my way to the airport for that event, my car broke down. Okay. And I just, like, needed a new car. I, I I was driving, like, a 1996 Ford Explorer for 20 years or something. I, I was only driving it for, you know, 10 of those. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and a friend of mine said, hey, if you get me a, like, absolutely damaged Black Lotus, I will trade you my Nissan Cube for it. Um, and so I go to GP Niagara, and I spend the entire weekend just, like, tr- just trading on the floor. Um... And I find a vendor with a black lotus that's been bent in half, just right down the middle, like a full. So, so crease. you weren't even a vendor; you're just you're just a, a regular person at the GP. Yep, just a re- uh, I scrubbed out of the main event with the most rancid <laughs> four color Legacy Phoenix deck. Okay, um, is this like the you know um, land grant land thing. grant to dark ritual buried alive kind of Phoenix deck? I I wish it were that good. Uh, <laughs> it was Grixis splashing monastery mentors in the sideboard. Oh, oh, I remember yeah. this one. It looks so bad. Jesus, that sounds really, really bad. It, like, what, it did really well like, some one of it, and the person probably just ran unbelievably. It, yep. Didn't it have, like, LED in it or something, too? It was, like... Yeah, uh, it played four Lotus Petal. That's what... Yeah, yeah, it was... Oh, which man. doesn't count for your Phoenix, of nope. course. <laughs> Makes um, a man have any color, though. <laughs> if any sure color. Does. You could use um, that man at a Faithless Looting. They do have no cards here. Faithless Looting. <laughs> All right, so this lotus is like bent to hell down the middle. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's just it's like damaged on the edges, bent across the middle, but it's worth like four grand. Yeah. Um, I get back from that GP. I walk up to my guy, and he's like, "Oh, this is too bad. I wanted a better lotus." I'm like, "Well, this is worth your car." Uh, so this is actually a, a super secret that I'm, I'm revealing for the first time. I didn't actually trade the lotus for the car. I traded a bunch of duels for the car and then sold the lotus. Okay. But uh, the story of trading a lotus for a car was way cooler. Yeah, I mean, it still counts, right? Because, like, that's what got you in the... That's what got the door open. That's what got the, the deal going. And I was kind of, like, on the fringe seeing this happen on Twitter or whatever. And I was like, this is a story I need to hear someday. So this was filed in the back of my mind. All right, but what's the coolest one? Well, so that story has one last addendum to it, which oh, is sorry, as no. I was leaving his house, he said, if you get enough reserve list stuff, I'll trade you my house, too. Did, did this actually happen? I have not done that yet. Because it's like... a a four-bedroom house in Northern Virginia, so it's like $1.3 million or something absurd. Okay. Because <laughs> that's just what D.C. property is like. Um, but yeah, so there's someone out there who will trade a house for $1.3 million in reserve list cards. I've got a three-bedroom here. I'll take $0.9 million. There you go. So <laughs> if anybody wants it. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, the cool story was there's this, this person who uh, has a deep connection to magic uh, from like the early days. And I met him playing at a local game store, just like 10-person, 60-card casual decks. Uh, I would just go there to hang out and decompress after uh, a day at college. And he said, hey, why don't some of y'all come over to my place to to take a look? You know, I, I have some cool magic stuff. And so I get there, and this dude has, one, a probably $15 million gun collection, like antique, rare guns, which is super cool. Uh, but then also probably around $10 million in magic and magic paraphernalia. And he also had a ton of Watsy era Pokemon stuff. Um, and then like another few million dollars in comics. And I, I helped him, uh, sell some of that because he had no idea what he had. Um, but I say like millions of dollars in magic. So I mean, like there was multiple splendid Genesis. There was a proposal like the Richard Garfield. Oh, he had a, he had a proposal. Yeah. Like I said, he had deep, deep connections to Watsy in the early days. Wow. Um, uh, for people who don't know, Proposal was a magic card that uh, Garfield made 
and put into a deck of, of cards. He made um, how, how, like less than 10 copies or something, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and he used it to propose to his wife like in a game <laughs> of Magic. So this card is very rare. Yeah, Splendid Genesis was the one he made for his first son and then Fraternal mm-hmm. Exaltation yeah. for his second. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then so one-of-a-kind just... like stuff here. Right, like one of ten. And then yeah. there was also like uncut sheets of Arabian Nights, um, some misprint sheets like that were still uncut. They were just full misprint sheets. Just oh things that things that you you only hear about in stories. And I got to see it all. And I was I was like twenty one, so I didn't do that much. I only sold like five thousand dollars worth of stuff for the guy. But getting to just go into those coffers and see things that have built magic, things that have built Pokemon TCG, just just things that are are legendary in the gaming world was a really unique and and honestly a a very fortunate experience all right i have an idea let's uh get that house that we were talking about from from the guy Mm -hmm. and then we'll uh borrow the 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 stuff from the the gun collection magic comic book collection guy and then we'll turn the house into a like magic like not like hall of fame but like museum we'll have like all the really cool stuff on display there and we can like charge people this would not this is a horrible idea would never make money Mark, what's some of the cooler things you've seen? Anything you got any kind of crazy stories like this? Uh, nothing that involves Splendid Genesis, man. <laughs> yeah, I should have asked you first. I'm so, I'm sorry, Mark. Yeah, cool. We should have known anyway, Mark's yeah. stories are going to be way worse. <laughs> yeah. Any anyway, here's Wonderwall. So uh, <laughs> you know, like, brutal. Um, for me, like the coolest collection that were not collection, but coolest thing that ever happened was a collection, and it was back in November. And this guy on Twitter, MTG Magpie, he's super cool, really, really down-to-earth guy, had a very, 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 very expensive collection. And he came to me first and said, hey, I want to deal with you. I don't want to deal with anybody else or any of the big companies. And uh, it it was Power 9. It was high-end. It was high-end everything. Like, basically, it was... Calling it the works would be a disservice to what his collection looked like. It was, it was, it was glorious. And I remember I was on the phone with my partner Rusty, talking about this, and we had this moment of realization where we were like, "Holy shit, we can do this! Like, we can actually do this." Um, and it was the, the fruition of months of of hard work and networking and putting out there as much goodwill as we possibly could in trying to build an audience and then this was the first collection that like he you know he doesn't know it his name is sean he doesn't know it but that collection changed my life it it completely changed the trajectory of my life i i I was lying it wasn't november it was october so we um we landed that collection and that weekend we had up at, at, at the time the highest sales we had ever had in a weekend and it was unfathomable to me if you would have asked me a year ago like mark this is what your life is going to look like in a year i it would it would be hysterical i would have i would have slapped you but that collection with you know black lotus and and, you know all power nine and dual lands and crazy altars and foils and everything when we nailed that collection that was that was the the best you know, thing that ever happened to me. I had moments where I traded, you know, I, I traded some kid in Ebon Dragon for four foil flooded trans when I was in high school. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't trying to trade truck the guy. He just really wanted my dragon and I really wanted foil flooded trans for Astral Slide. But, you know, that was just, that that collection 
was that you don't really often get to see. I traded for something that changed my entire life, but that was that was uh, what what happened. All right. So speaking of, of that kind of thing, let's go to the other end of this. What's like A or B, however you want to put this, what's like the most shocking thing that you sold or the worst thing that you sold end up being like for a real amount of money? And you're like, what the what the hell? Like this is this is worth this much? Or uh, do you ever run into something like that? Does anything still shock you in this business when it comes to that kind of stuff? Uh, so I had a... Uh... In the Amonkhet Masterpiece series, the uh, invocations, mm -hmm. some of the black cards were printed with like a green misprint border, like like they were printed as green cards. Oh, I didn't. I, I was unaware of this. Okay. Yeah, there's like uh, I've seen some damnations and some Avatar of Woes, and Avatar of Woes is the subject of this story. Um, I had one of them in my trade binder. I didn't even realize it was a misprint, and I'm I'm just like at the game store, pull out my binder, and the guy's like, "Hey, that's a super rare misprint that I want for my commander deck. Can I get it?" And I'm like. Yeah, sure. What's it worth? And he just like snaps off a number that is seemingly way too high. And I trade it to him. And then I get home and I do some research and I say to myself, oh, that dude just scammed himself real hard. So I go back to the game store and I tell the owner like, hey, can I get this person's contact info? And we never found the guy's contact info. What I did is I left a bunch of his stuff at the store for when he came back. And apparently uh, about a year and a half later, he came back to the store and the owner was like, hey, I remember you. Uh, someone left some cards here for you because of a trade you did a few years ago, or like, like a year and change ago. And he was like, what? And he got the cards and he just like disappeared. And I've never, I never heard from him again, but I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't get someone for like 400 bucks, even at my worst, you know? Right. And I, I think that's really cool that you did that. And like, it's kind of a crazy story that it worked out. He got the stuff, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, I never saw him again. Never, he never heard from him. It, it all worked out, I guess, in the end, hopefully. But that is absurd that it actually uh, I just can't believe it. I, I think that, like, Mark talked about this earlier, but even if he didn't get the stuff back, I couldn't profit off it and, like, sleep, you know? Like, you gotta make your margins, but you don't have to, to, to fuck people like that. You don't have to do bad things. Yeah. I, also, I, th I think it's a, you know, Mark talked about this. I think it's 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 a lot to do with how you approach the, the stuff. And I don't want to speak for y'all, but the, the way I think about it is is like, yeah, you you all want to, you know, it's kind of like what you said, you show up to some guy's house, and he doesn't know what he has, right? And there's all that, there's that little voice in the back of your mind that like, I could get this for super cheap and just make infinite on it, right? And you do that like almost every time you run into somebody who like, A, is uh, uneducated on a subject, or, you know, B, just doesn't know exactly what they have, or they're willing, you know, you could you can tell the kind of person you're like, I could, I could pull one on this person, you know, pull a fast one. But it's not the business model that you want, right? You want repeat customers. You want to make sure that like all of your interactions are good because it fosters good relationships. It fosters good stuff in the future. It's like Mark said, you know, when you you give someone a deal or like you help someone out, like they're more likely to come back to you for another one, right? And then that's okay. It makes up for it over time. Instead of like you get this person one time, you know, they find they find out about it or figure it out later, they're never coming to you again. You know, you're, you just lost a customer for life, probably, and that's going to cost you more money in the long run than, like, the profit you made off this one thing, you know, of skinning them. So definitely, you know, gets to me. Mark, any kind of crazy uh, sales or eye-opening stuff for you and that stuff? Uh, I had one a long time ago. Um, this was when I was in my, like, I went from being a backpack grinder that was, like, a trade shark to, like, the guy that everybody came to locally for cards because he was, like, really chill. And during that time frame this guy that I'm friends with um, was like, yeah, this dude that I work with gave me a briefcase full of magic cards. 
And I was like, a briefcase full of magic cards. Like, yeah, a briefcase full of magic cards. Like, you know how people back in the day, like, we didn't have back, they didn't have backpacks or anything like that. They didn't have, you know, uh, like, you know, what do you, what is it called? That really cool ultimate card one that I have or Ammonite? whatever. The Ammonite, that's the one. Um, so See, I, know I have things. that sitting over. Yeah, look at you go. Jesus. <laughs> this is why we have Ross here. But he, he drinks, but this he guy had things. a had a, a backpack, or not a backpack, a, a briefcase full of magic cards. And I he's like, well, would you like to come and look at them and tell me if I have anything in there that's worth money? And I was like, sure. So I go over and I'm looking through everything. It's all trash. It's all just, you know, commons on commons, bad stuff, bad stuff, bad stuff. And then there was this little box. Um, it was like an old, you remember the expert level, like, plane shift decks or whatever like the invasion and all that like how they used to have expert level pre-con decks and i was like all right well let's see what's in this thing and it felt really light i opened it up and it was just guru lands as far as the eye can see like islands forests mountains swamps plains but it had more islands obviously than it had of anything else it had like five islands in it and we're just sitting there and he's like, "Is everything okay?" And I'm like, "No, everything is not okay." <laughs> I was like, "This," I was like, "This guy gave you." And this is years ago. This is like 2013. So imagine like how bad this guy would feel now if he knew what those lands were worth. Yeah. But uh, I was like, "This is thousands of dollars of of lands." And he's like, "Why? They're just islands and swamps and forests." And I was like, "Okay. Well, this is what they are. This is what they used to be." And he was like, oh, holy shit. So he went from having no collect. He went from having a briefcase of magic cards that his friend at work gave to him to having a full-blown-ass collection because he was able to parlay those. Not, you know, he just sold them and then bought all everything that he wanted. But I, I've never been in a position where I was sitting there just holding a stack of guru lands, you know, that wasn't that nobody even knew existed that had probably been sitting in a briefcase under some guy's bed for years. Uh, I actually have a, a, a quick one that I'm going to tell a story of mine. Um, years and years ago, um, a friend of mine, he was like, hey, uh, do you still, like, you know, buy magic card stuff? And, you know, I dabble. Like, I don't do it anywhere near the level we all do. But if, if a, you know, a deal comes up that I can't pass up, and, I, you know, I'm going to do it. And, it, you know, I, I have my own collection as well. I want to get stuff. But one of my friends is just, like, my, uh, like, fourth grade teacher. You know, we're friends on Facebook or whatever. And she sees that I play magic. And she contacted me. And she's like, I have some magic cards from when I played when I was younger. You know, so uh, if you want to come look at them and buy them, and he goes, do you want to come with me? Because he's like, you know, I don't have cash, but, you know, maybe you could you could take it. And, you know, when you get like that feeling, and you're like, this one might be good, you know, something might happen. Because I was like, you mm-hmm. know, when did she play Magic? This had to be forever ago, you know? So I was like, sure, I'll tag along. And we get there, and she's like, oh, this is all I have left, and it, it's just a binder. And um, I was going to say, uh, Liz, did, were you into cards in like the like mid to early 90s? Uh, I barely had object permanence in the mid right. to early 90s. I was like, Nestico might know what I'm talking about here, Ross. I don't know but do you remember the binder that everybody had in the like early 90s? It's the blue binder that says like sports cards or whatever. Yeah, the, on it. the tops one, the old, like, I, yeah. I can, I'm literally looking over it right now. I wish I could go grab it and gra- whatever. It's just one of those, right? It's just that kind of binder with like the big, huge, bulky rings and the shitty, shitty pages in it, right? That were like 10 cents a piece or whatever. And uh, I start opening it. And I look at the first page and immediately shut the binder. And she's like, everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, and I'm just going to be honest with you here. We're going to have a little fun with this, but I'm going to have to take a lot of the cards out, look at them with my phone, put light through them just to make sure they're real. And she's like, okay, why? I'm like, 
do you know how much this is worth? And she's like, no. And I was like, okay. So I go through it, and it wasn't random cards. What they did, and this isn't like absurd or anything, obviously, but what they did, she uh, was just a fan of magic, and she just had the full set of revised in a binder. Here's the thing. They got them out of packs, put them in the in the page whenever they, they had a card they didn't have, and it's been there since 1995 or 1904. So I'm telling you, these are the nicest dual lands I've ever seen in my life. I thought they were fake. They, they were like, like the entire set pretty much was near mint. And there's like a few other spattering. She's like, hey, you know, I got some lands and stuff in the back. And I was like, yes, you know, it's like beta lands and stuff. And I was like, what do you want for this? We started looking it up and I was like, what's fair? Cause I don't want to rip you like, cause like, you know, you don't know what you like have here. I want to rip you off, but I ended up buying the whole thing. And I, I still have it just sitting there like this full set of revised. I haven't taken it out of the binder or anything. Cause I don't know what to do with it. And I don't want to move the cards cause they're so nice. And so I mean, beautiful. I know somebody that's buying cards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, this is like a cool object that I have, and it's like, you know what? I might need some cash soon, Mark. I'm going to have a little talk. Uh, I don't know. I might give Liz first first dibs. I don't know. We'll see. But that's that's my crazy story, because it's like the ones you always hear about, like you go to the garage sale, and someone just has magic cards, and they're, and they're like, yeah, $10 for the whole thing, and you're like, you know, laughing as you're going away with your thousands of dollars of stuff. But all right. Uh, one question that a couple people had, and they wanted to know. We're gonna get a little bit of. I'll try to get some trade secrets from y'all for some people, or whatever. Um, so people were, were saying they wanted to know, like, what's like really worth buying right now. They asked specifically modern and pioneer, but if you have a, if you have some other options too, like, what's the big thing for y'all now? What's, what, what are you looking at the most? Uh, EDH foils, honestly, for me is the safest money to always, you know, put your put your stuff in. Um, lands are always worth a million dollars um you know just getting i i pay very well on like shocks dual lands and uh and uh fetch lands because they're always worth money they're very blue chip they only raise in terms of value um or rise rather sorry they also uh, they move well too i would assume right they move extremely well um they sometimes like fetch lands will drop a little bit whenever there's reprintings of them but, you know, you look at, like, a, a flooded strand from cons in 2014 was $9. Now it's back up to $23 again, $22, $23. Uh, so lands for me and EDH staples are always where I want to have my money at. You can talk to me all day until you're blue in the face about, you know, going deep on the reserve list, which I do in terms of my sales. We go very deep on the reserve list. But when it comes to if if somebody was just starting out, I would say scour for commander staples foils and in uh tricked out versions of cards that people want because that's where you're really going to be able to make your margins uh when you find somebody your lgs that's willing to trade up uh to get that foil you know uh prismatic vista that you have or something like that because it's a it's a one print card and they really want it and it's 50 bucks but they'll trade you 60 dollars in standard stuff for it and you know it's 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 lands are very blue chip for me. It's essentially, things where the demand is high as opposed to things where the supply is low, because things where the supply is low, like you know the they're they're gonna be you're you're gonna make money on them, but it might take you a while, right? You've got to find a buyer for those kinds of things. Yeah, that that's why I go with lands because lands are always you know if you can buy flooded trans for fifteen bucks, sixteen bucks, I buy them for like seventeen bucks, and then we turn around and sell them for like twenty two to twenty three dollars. I mean, it's it's cards that you can get your hands on because people are selling them at enough of a price that they're happy to get that money. Like if they sell me a set of 
uh, of marsh flats or whatever, and they get you know ninety, hundred dollars. I'm just spitballing. You know, I can't remember what their prices are off the top of my head, but if they get you know one hundred ten dollars. They're happy because they just made one hundred ten dollars. I'm happy because I'm going to make one hundred forty. So like, is my profit there thirty dollars, and then after everything gets taken out, uh, etc. But but I can move those lands very quickly, and it's 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 a turn and burn philosophy with certain types of cards where you know that you can buy them quickly, sell them quickly, make your profit quickly, reinvest quickly. Liz, you want to add anything to that? Maybe go even more specific on it if you want. Uh, so I want to echo lands for sure. Like, I, So I imagine the average listener of this podcast doesn't have access to buying cards at buy list generally, right? So I'd imagine that you're buying cards that on TCG player or SCG or at retail somewhere. Um, getting your mana bases locked in for Pioneer and Modern is super important. But as far as determining what is currently underpriced, um, I'm going to do a, a Teach Amanda Fish moment. Uh, learn how to read Japanese buy list. You don't actually have to read Japanese because Google translates it for you. But like, go to Haruya, find their Japanese page, find their buy, their buy list for actually in Japan because they have in-store play, like I said. So things that are, you know, buy listing for higher in Japan than they're worth retail in the U.S. means there's likely going to be upwards pressure on the price in the U.S. when... We get in-store playback. Now, it's not a one-to-one, you know, not a guarantee. But being able to do that research and be able to figure out what is actively underpriced and what... Because, I mean, if a card buy list for $8 in Japan and it's $6 in the U.S., eventually it will become $8 in the U.S. because of people like me who buy it in the U.S. and ship it to Japan. So, going to Haruya, finding their Japanese buy list. Um, Wisdom Guild is another Japanese... It's like a Japanese TCG player. You can get information there. Um, magic card markets like the European equivalent for all this you can get more information there and 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 find those spreads to determine what's underpriced here so you can lock it in before the price goes up but assuming people are trying to play if you're trying to make a profit you can do that too but you would actually just buy list it instead of holding on to it well nice little trade secret there I didn't even expect it to be like that juicy I I like it I like it um I I gotta ask this because I'm notoriously bad for this it's probably one reason why I haven't gone super deep into buying and selling myself is I like to hold on to stuff a little bit too much. Ross, I know you're you're a pack rat too when it comes to this. You know, just don't get rid of your cards very much. Yeah, but that's more out of sloth than anything else. Like getting rid of something, I, I have to actively try to get rid of it yeah. if it's worth something. If I yeah, if I want to get a return on it, unless it's trash and I can just throw it out, you know. Yeah. And generally, I'm I'm I just don't want to deal with it. So I have random, you know stuff sitting around usually sealed booster boxes that i've won at ptqs that i couldn't sell immediately so i I think i have three boxes of born of the gods and i'm just waiting for like enough cat cards to get printed for brimaz to spike you know i i get maybe coarser crucifix reprints i I don't know what could possibly happen to make people want to buy born of the gods because it's such a shit-ass set but I'm, i'm really crossing my fingers there Maybe there's a, like a shortage on firewood. <laughs> <laughs> the, the great cardboard shortage of 2024. And Ross is like, I got him. I'm right where I got him. Right where I, I, I live at the base of a mountain range. So I don't think we're going to be in, in want of firewood. <laughs> I love it. Because uh, I, I have the same problem. I'm pretty lazy when it comes to getting rid of stuff. But also, I'm kind of a hoarder when it comes to stuff a little bit, too. Because, you know, do y'all ever just hold on to certain things for yourself? Or are you just like, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell? Uh, I hold on to some stuff. Uh, I like EDH a lot. Mm-hmm. It's what keeps me tethered to Magic playing. Because when you when you look at Magic cards twenty four seven, you think like, "Wow, this is so cool." He gets to look at Magic cards twenty four seven. But then you have to remember he has to look at Magic cards twenty four seven. 
Yeah. So like when it comes to actually playing Magic, I like you know if I see some foils that I really like or something like that for a commander deck, I I tend to hold on to the, those and you know I have a few like sentimental cards you know from from friends that, that you know or uh, a foiled decree of justice that my wife bought me an actual scourge pack back in the year of our Lord like two thousand and one or whatever it was. That's adorable. And uh, it got a foil decree of justice when Astral Slide was a deck and everything, mm-hmm. and it was like. You know, and I still have it. It's in my my Gavi Nest Warden deck. Uh, so it's like those are certain things that you you have to hold on to. But you know, EDH foils. Now, Liz, I, I really want to hear your answer here because I've played against you in Magic before, and I've seen the decks that you usually play with. And uh, oh boy, are they attractive! Uh, I remember having to like fan because I played you in Legacy when we played, and I had to kind of fan myself down a little bit without. I was like very scared to touch your cards. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> And shuffle your deck. Uh, is there anything that you particularly like? Really like to hold on to? Has, has that changed any in the last few years? Uh, so I downsized my personal collection pretty substantially about a year and a half ago. But I did used to be quite the gaudy person. I had several Oof. foil Japanese legacy decks. I built Legacy Death Shadow because I could. I realized I could have like thirty masterpieces in it or something like Days Force of Will Thoughtseize, Fetch Lands, Watery Grave, something like that. I'm like going back, and I can't remember if I if I probed you or like thought seized you or something. I remember you put your hand on the table like right in front of you, and I was like, "Do you mind if I, I had to pick it up?" Because like I don't know all the <laughs> your hand was like Yu-Gi-Oh cards and Magic cards. I was like, I don't know exactly which ones are which. And I was trying to keep up. So until that event, actually that exact event, I had never received a game loss for a deck reg error. But the night before the event, I had two beers, okay, uh, and was registering my deck, and I accidentally registered. Four days, one days, instead of four days, one stifle, because I couldn't yeah. tell which card was which. <laughs> I will okay. say this is the Almond Cat, because they were the Almond Cat ones, right? Well, yep. Why do you have to mention the beers, though? Feels like you're blaming the beer unfairly here. <laughs> I plead the fifth. Yeah, sure. It was the beer's they, they, fault. This is, this is not a podcast it. where we disparage beer. Nobody shall be smirch beer. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't partake anymore, but I still like it. You know, like, Ross will still, like, we'll be out. He'll be like, hey, try this one, and I'll, I'll try well, I say that. That hasn't happened for a very long time. And, like, I just... <laughs> I have I vague memories got, of this happening at some point in some hotel bar. It's it's so crazy, because I, I started to talk about that, and I don't know if y'all saw it on my face. I literally got sad halfway through that sentence. Yeah. You, know? you saw it? Like, you saw the, the, the everything Jarena? Like, it's the discontented side. It's like... Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, do you still hold on to anything else? I know you said you downsized, but there's still anything particular you like look for that you like. Uh, so I, I'm still someone who plays a lot of Magic. I mean, I, in in theory, right? Yeah, of course. Um, so I still have a modern collection that's pretty substantial. I got rid of my Legacy collection when that became a dead format. Um, Rip. I have two Commander decks that I keep updated, and then I have like one that I'm working on. But other than that, that's it. Uh, I actually have. Uh, a Tubert, uh, Orion Overturf Invention, the the, the heads up cube, uh, Cubert for two. When Cubert is just Brainworm's version of cube, um, so I have one of those. But other than that, I kind of don't keep cards anymore. I, I had a moment of reckoning with myself about six months ago, where I just like my personal collection's worth X dollars, and X dollars could buy me a set of copper pots for the kitchen, pay off my credit card debt, and half my student loans. And so I did that. Um, because, like, I don't need to own foil Japanese mono red sneak attack anymore. You know, like, who does? I mean, you say that, and I want to. Like, you know what I mean? I, I say that, I'm like, that sounds cool. But no, no, definitely agree there. All right. 
I'm going to go through a couple quick questions or, or, uh, here. You just say the first thing comes to your mind. It's not like it's a lightning round or anything, but just a few things people brought It is up. a lightning round. Um, He's lying to you. So, sure, sure. There are points you can, involved. You can make long answers. He is the father of lies. Where the, points, where the points are made up and the questions don't matter. No, um, you, you, can, uh, you can answer as long or as short as you'd like. How do you all feel about NFTs making their way into Magic? What the fuck Boy. is an NFT? <laughs> Stands for Mark, non-fungible sh- token. Yeah, and it makes sure no I sense. Know. Yeah. Can I, can I, the youngest person on this cast, explain to Mark what an NFT is in yeah, my terms? Please, 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 please. Thank you. So, Mark, imagine that you are on Google and you go to image search and you look up a picture of... What's something you like, Mark? Pizza. Red pizza. <laughs> so you type into Google pizza and there's a JPEG of pizza. You just right-click and save it, right? Now imagine if someone burned down an acre of rainforest to make that picture of pizza worth something and then charge you ten thousand dollars for it <laughs> fuck that that is an nft Those it sounds like an exaggeration suck. but this is actually true <laughs> sadly true well but, if you like nfts then you suck yeah so so people are talking about it's like what are the what are the best like magic nfts you know like uh, i don't know if y'all do y'all remember the gif of uh it's like LSV getting bonfired off the top. You know, oh, like, the, or, the Brian Kibler throwing the Kib- his arms up in the air? Yeah, there's like whatever, like that gif would probably worth a lot. Or like uh, the, the, the Lightning Helix, the Cruel Light- Ultimatum. Oh, oh my God, Lightning Helix. Like just that clip, you know, just all the iconic moments of The of Cruel history. Ultimatum. Yeah, that was, um, that oh, one was yeah. my favorite. I'm assembling my Cruel Ultimatum mana. I think Nassif would be in like half of them, by the way. <laughs> that one was like, yeah. The but, Dragon Storm. Oh. Yeah, because like, so, so here's the thing I got to ask. Because this is something I, you know, I've thought of as well, with the popularity of Magic the last few years. Because, like, let's be honest, it's it's been skyrocketing, and we haven't really seen a lot of it come back into the product. In fact, we've been seeing an adverse reaction in a lot of ways. Like, you know, talking about like how the foils are pringling. Like, you know, I've, I've seen foils from the newest sets, and you can't even keep them straight. But when you look at the popularity growing of Pokemon again, like it's like you know probably at like some kind of all time high here. You're looking at sports cards making a huge comeback compared to like, yes, like, you know, they were almost non-existent in the 2000s because they kind of died off in the 90s for being overprinted and stuff. But yeah, they, they didn't happened. die off, Tannen. They were murdered. They were systematically yeah, it, murdered. It, yeah, sure. However you would have put it. Stupid yeah, exactly. MySpace. Summarily executed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you're seeing this, and a lot of it has to do with stuff like, you know, NFTs or super ultra rare, like, you know, secret rares and packs for Pokemon. I'm sure y- y'all could talk about it more than I can. I'm not, I don't partake in this stuff. Um, you know, you see the sports cards, I don't know if you've seen, but like the pieces of jersey or bats in them and like cool signings. This is like a one of 10, you know. Is that something you could see coming to Magic in the future and something that you actively would want, you know, just making, you know, because you talked about how like you saw somebody having a proposal. Right, you know the card proposal, and there's like, you know, you know, can you imagine a card like that now, where it says, you know, one of five or one of seven, and you get to own a piece of that? Is that something y'all see could possibly happen? Do you think it would be good for the game? I mean, it already exists in a, in a capacity. There's like the the heroes of the coast cards or whatever they're called that like are one of one cards given to Watsy employees. I I hadn't even heard of this, but sure. Um, there's like one that's Chandra Gremlin Wrangler, and it's like a planeswalker that makes a gremlin token and. I don't know exactly what it does, uh, but it's one of one, and it's owned by some Watson employee will never get rid of it. But then, like, we kind of have that in another sense, too, when you look at ultra-rare, secret-rare stuff, like the borderless foil jeweled lotus is, like, $800. Yeah. Right? Like, that. that's, like, a hyper-premium version of the card. 
Um, and eventually NFTs will make it to magic, right? What is a jeweled lotus? It's the it's the black <laughs> lotus for your commander. You remember this? So imagine somebody burns down a rainforest. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we just made a new meme here, and I, I can't wait to use it. Imagine um, someone burned down a rainforest. Sorry, I, I can't keep up with all of the supplementary products that Wizards releases now, because there's like 7,000 of them every single Secret week. Secret Lair Rainforest. <laughs> yeah. go. It's going to be really secret because they've burned all of them down to appease the tech they just bros. Send you the ashes. They just send you a box of the ashes or whatever to <laughs> into it. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to see anything close to what you've seen in, in terms of Pokemon because Pokemon is a cultural phenomenon. Pokemon is and always has been for the last 25 years something that has defined a generation. Magic has not defined a generation. It you know It's not... It's not sports. It's not widely watched by tens of millions of people during championship season. It doesn't have, you know, jerseys made up for it. It doesn't have entire city cultures that that revolve around it. Um, so, like, I, I do agree that within our own community, there, there, you know, that Chandra Gremlin Ranger, Ranger, whatever it is, uh, would be like a holy grail for somebody that's a collector. It's, it's very similar, like, in the retro gaming community that I have been a part of for years. Uh, there are, you know, like, you can get, like, a Nintendo World Championship cart, and it's, you know, $25,000, and it's a holy grail in your collection. You cannot have a complete Nintendo collection unless you have one. But if, if I'm going up to your dad and I'm saying, like, hey, man that has no idea about this, like, how much do you think that this championship cart would be worth he'd be like i don't know five bucks like who gives a shit it's just a stupid ass video game cart <laughs> it's a video but, like, game michael how much could it cost five dollars you know, <laughs> but yeah i mean what you know i don't see how it could be worth that much but it's uh pokemon is everybody it's like pro wrestling in the 80s like it, it, it everybody knows it. everybody and their mother knew who hulk hogan was everybody and their mother knew who the ultimate warrior was everybody and their mother knows who pikachu is even if it's your great-grandmother she knows who pikachu is so that that's kind of why I think Pokemon always will have its leg up on on Magic because it is you know lifestyles revolve around Pokemon. So you're saying that in my my um, my retirement fund that I've been planning and the way that I've been investing instead of revert reserve lists, I should go buy Pikachu's and Charizards. The, the, the bubble is going to burst on Pokemon. It has to. It, I mean, people can only be interested in Logan Paul's stupid ass for so long before, you know, and, and it was the perfect storm of Logan Paul and the 25th anniversary coming up and, you know, the release of, of uh, shield and sword, everything on the switch and it, it, you know, big Pokemon festivals with Pokemon go. And it was the perfect storm for this all to happen. But if you were to ask me five months ago, like when I sold Liz some Charizards, like, you know, Fuck you, Liz. For <laughs> I'm scared. I got a little smirk there. Oh, yeah. so, but but the truth is 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 then I was like, this is great. Like I'm making all this money. It's my first foray into Pokemon cards. But you know, if you were to ask me now, like, are you going to go as deep as you were trying to go like six months ago? I probably would say no because there, it, I don't see it. I'm probably an idiot, but like that level of sustainability just it'll be there with the Charizards, but everything else, like I don't see it you know, being as prolific as it, it has been over the last year. On the, right. on that point, uh, at the start of 2021, I owned something like 60 Charizards, and my goal was by the end of the year to own zero. Like, I think that 
we are we are having a phenomenon happening right now where the Pokemon Company orchestrated this perfect confluence of like Sword and Shield releasing remakes of Diamond and Pearl coming out, uh, 25th anniversary, Logan Paul doing his stuff, and like there is just a cultural uprising happening around Pokemon. I mean, you can almost see it, even if you're not like super into it. Like I've walked through my local Walmart and Target and stuff, like like and just taken a look at the sections where, you know, they keep the sports cards, where they keep the Pokemon cards, and you'll see magic, right? And magic will be there on the shelves, like, there'll, there'll be stuff. And then you look at the Pokemon section, and even the sports section next to it, and it's just fucking ransacked. It's empty, there's empty stuff there. You go to the toy section in the back of the store, there's not a Pokemon thing on the shelf. I mean, look at McDonald's Happy Meals. They had a $75 Pikachu foil in them, and you had grown-ass men. Like, this is where, like, I do this for my living, but like I'm also not a a gigantic man child that has uh, to go to you? every no 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 like there to me there yes yes first and foremost I am a giant fucking <laughs> yeah, man sorry child. the man child doth protest too much methinks you know but there <laughs> but it's like they said on Dave Chappelle show man there's a thin line between fries and shakes like there's a thin line between being like a fucking grown ass man that that slings cardboard for a living and being a grown ass man that drives around to every McDonald's. And tries to ransack things out of like children's hands. Like, hey, I, you know, there was a story that made the Facebook rounds of a guy who walked up to a little kid that was eating with their family who had just opened a Pikachu and was super fucking excited. And the guy's like, I'll give you 10 bucks for that. Like, fuck you, man. That little kid is so excited to open up a Pikachu and you're like trying to headhunt walking around to each table where the little kids are opening up their Happy Meal, seeing if you could buy the Pikachu off of an excited child. Like, what kind of cockbag do you have to be? Oh, okay. Yeah, don't be that guy. So you keep talking about all of these things, and I have no fucking clue what you're all talking about. This is why I was leading this conversation more, Ross, is like, I'm a little... I, look, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a boomer. I don't keep up with pop culture stuff as much as I used to, but I do at least a little bit. And, like, I knew about some of this stuff. I'm Pokemon just, things are happening. Cards dude, are cannot, worth money. You cannot so, get a pack of Pokemon cards right so now. So imagine Carl Malone, okay? <laughs> So how many rainforests did they burn down? <laughs> a lot. How many John Stocktons do I have to open up? Yeah. Imagine a JPEG of a rat. Yeah. <laughs> no, Mark, give it to him. Give it to him an analogy he can understand with, with Utah Jazz players. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. So imagine, like, the Jazz did beat the Bulls in the, in the finals. And then everybody... Okay, well, Jordan pushed off, so they should have gone to Game 7. Shut up. They should have, yeah. I 100% agree. Also, there was a... There were two horrible shot clock calls in that game, but we don't need to get into that. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Okay, so anyhow, imagine if John Stockton burned down a rainforest. (laughs) (laughs) But we're... So, seriously, what what is happening? I think think it has a lot to do with uh, scarcity. Um, there was a little bit, it was hard to get packs as well after, especially in my area of the country, there was a really bad like storm that came through. So you couldn't get stuff. There's this like, like this year or last year or PC, year, right? Yeah. Liz, it kind of like, you kind of saw it coming last year, right? Liz, like a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I actually, I predicted there would be a Pokemon shortage when I saw the print run for Akoria in magic. Cause they short printed the shit of Akoria. Um, and then it had anything I, to do with COVID? It had to do with COVID because they just like thought sales wouldn't be as good as they as they were, um, and they just they just expected the worst. And the Pokemon Company did that twice as hard, so they just didn't print stuff. Uh, there was a set called Vivid Voltage that just had like a ton of standard staples in it, and like also a couple of really cool secret rares that the collectors wanted. Um, 
cost, like I'm doing air quotes, cost on a box was like $86, but they were retailing for like 250 because you just couldn't find them. And like over Christmas, I wanted to find booster packs for stocking stuffers when, when it was, it was me and Emma and, and, and our partners. Uh, and I ended up just like buying a sealed fat pack effectively on eBay for like 80 bucks to put stocking stuffers in. And yeah, and I think it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point too, right? Like it's, you're not getting enough product out and then you have like people going for it. So the, it's like the, the, to the moon thing, you know, it's just going to keep going up, up and up. And like, I'll say there's gotta be a bubble at some point, but we haven't reached it yet. It seems like. But I, I, I knew that shit was going to, was going to get nuts when I went to a, a, what do you call it? A, uh, a group garage sale. I go to like garage sales to buy old video games and this guy had a binder of Pokemon cards. And I just was like, Hey man, how much you want for the binder? And he s- didn't even fucking take a second. He goes $2,000. And I was like, okay. So I, and now I'm interested. Like, do I have the money to buy this? Like, yes, yes I do. So let's see what's inside of it. And it was all garbage. It was like all trash. And he's just like, well, you know, I was like, well, where'd you do your research, man? I was like, I, I, cause I have like, I'm, at this point I'm lying. Cause I don't want to seem like I'm an asshole, but I was like, yeah, I got Pokemon cards too. Like what, where do you do your research? So I can see what my stuff's worth. He's like, oh, I don't know, man. He's like, I just know that Pokemon cards are worth a ton of money now. So I just, I said $2,000 and I'm like, so now it's like the guy that finds them from under his bed from when he was a teenager and he like played with them on the sidewalk and scratched the living shit out of them. Those are the people right now that are going to cause that bubble to explode because they're the ones that are like, well, this binder is worth two thousand dollars. I'm like, I'm like looking for the Charizards. I'm looking for the Shadowless and the base sets and the first editions. There's nothing of that sort in there. It's a lot of like, you know, late two two thousand stuff. It's all trash. And that's when I started to realize, like, okay, this this bubble. This is not where I would be putting all my retirement money. This is not where I would be selling my my uh, my stocks in GE and. Uh, hoping to parlay them into Charizards. All right. So while we're talking about you and, 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 and more your story, I got to ask Mark. Okay. What's up with the pizza? I mean, all right. Is this like just some offhand comment that got way out of hand at some point? Yeah. Or... Yeah. It, uh, it started like it is a, like some joke or something like that where like I was eating pizza and I made a comment about like how the pizza was so good. Like I wanted to fuck it. And people, as you do, as 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 a tradition, uh, so it and then it's it's like for some reason people like latched onto it and were like, you know, I'm eating pizza tonight, Mark, and they would like send me pictures of it and be like, does this pizza look good enough to fuck? And I would be like, I'd fuck that pizza. So were then, there, it, then like, were there any it, pizzas it, people sent you pictures of that you would not fuck? Yeah, I mean, listen, don't send me that Sabaro's trash and act like you're fucking going to come out here and, and expect me to stick my dick in it. Like, that ain't happening. Was it was it just New York thin crust, thin crust style pizza? Did people send you some Sicilians, no. maybe some Chicago deep dish? Some Chicago deep dishes, some Chicago style, uh, you know, thin crust sausage pizzas. Look, Delicious. I might be a rookie in this realm and not understand what, the whole... What about the Detroit pizza thing, pan pizza? But that has to be... But Chicago, Chicago seems to me like the most fuckable pizza. <laughs> Listen, anything with dough, you could you could, you could put a paper bag over anything and fuck it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna have to curtail this soon. It's like yeah, the scene I, in Meet the Parents where, like, yeah, you can milk anything with nipples. <laughs> yeah, I've mean, got nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. like, it's, yeah, it's it just it turned into a meme, and then like I started being funny about it because I was like, well, if you people like sell me your cards, like I'll fuck a pizza, and they were like, 
here's the cards. And you have no idea. Like, in the last... We bought a couple hundred collections in the last few months. And the amount of people that have said, I hope you make enough money to buy a pizza that you can fuck is over 50%. (laughs) This is not a joke. This is over 100 people have been like, and get a pizza on me. You know, like, keep 15 extra dollars. Winky emoji. You know, yeah, like, you know, hashtag eggplant or something. Like, Like, I I like eggplant on pizza, by the way, just as an aside. So you're very meta. (laughs) (laughs) This meme is, like, pervasive. Because today I was doing deals and I ordered a burger for lunch and it was, it was a good looking burger. It was like a, a bison patty with like pickled red onions and gouda. Uh, and I set it in front of me and I just say to myself, I'm going to make sweet love to this pizza or this, yeah. this burger, this burger. <laughs> I've infiltrated you. Yeah. I've, I've literally said that before. I'm like, I'm going to make, I'm going to make love to this thing with my mouth. You know, like it's just a, it's kind of, a, it's, it's kind just of a, taking it a step further. I mean, it's a natural progression. Yeah, exactly. He's no, just expressing it. his love in a physical way. Yeah, exactly. This man loves pizza. Don't don't give him a super hard time. All right, uh, let's. Sh- Not that we can't go crazy with this stuff. I kind of want to like you know, put this into where we can have some of the more real center talk of what y'all do, and then we have some of the fun. Uh, one question some people were having. Uh, I saw this one a lot, and I kind of wondered for myself. Uh, the the newest Magic product. This came out what yesterday? Time Spider uh, remastered. It was like the last couple days, right? TSR yeah, already came out. Yeah, it's like technically it's out tomorrow. Yeah. Well, yeah, so people are getting their boxes early. I think it's all on Magic Online. You know, you know, stores always give your stuff early usually. Like, which hey, I'm completely all for. You know, if you're there the night before, like hand them their stuff. I don't care. Um, what is y'all's? We don't want to break street date at nextridgegames.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <sure>. Um. <laughs> well, they've had some that haven't had street dates recently. Anyway, uh, one of the big questions people have, and you could expound on this however you want, is. Like, this specific question is, should I sit on TSR right now, or should I be busting it? My take on it is, like, there's so much conflicting information about the supply, because at first it was, like, stores saying, hey, our supply is cut in half, and then Amazon posted 999 boxes at, like, 182 a box, and now you can't get boxes for less than, like, 240. I know I know. Mark had a funny tweet what today was about MSRP on this? There's no MSRP anymore. Oh, yeah, they got rid of that. See, uh, I, know, I know nothing. I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Mark had a, a good tweet today about how like, a customer was saying, oh, your boxes are too expensive when they were like 185 And today was messaging him like, oh, please sell me a box for 185 when they're like yeah. 240 <laughs> Yeah, no, we, I literally had a person, we were pre-selling boxes for 200 Now I almost boxes, bought one, by the way. Well, thank like, you. You should have. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how good your price was. Is like, well, like, yeah. th- there, were, th- there were a couple people on TCG that were pre-selling boxes for 195 But we do free shipping. And even if mm-hmm. they do free shipping, like, if somebody, like, complains at me and they're like, well, they did it for 195 there with free shipping. Why don't you do it for 195 here? I'm like, well, we have four employees. Like, yeah. sorry. Like, that's the, that's the end of that argument. But they messaged me yesterday. Hey, do you still have any of those $200 Time Spiral remastered boxes? I just said, no. You should have bought it a month and a half ago whenever we opened up pre-orders. We sold 50 boxes of that stuff in instantaneously over a weekend and then i had two employees that they, they're dating they're awesome people they split a case between them and they open up boxes they actually were going to get eight boxes but they were like this stuff sells so fast and it's going to make you guys so much money that we're going to just not do it so we sold eight additional boxes after that 
of the product. That's how heavy the demand is for it. And I mean, I'm seeing prices of like 240, 250 now. I know Ben Blyweiss was tweeting about it today. He's like saying, "Hey, we're gonna sell out." You know, at the pace that it's at, and this is the price that it's at, we're going to sell out. He's like giving people heads up. So he's like, if you want to get a box and you've been waiting, you know, you're like, oh, you know, thinking about it, you're waffling about it, and you want to get one, you should probably do it as soon as possible because it looks like they're selling out. So, like, that's what I, you know, I got to agree with with Liz here and say that, like, I I, I keep seeing people saying, oh, it's it's more limited than you think. We're not getting as much. And then some people are like, oh, no, there's going to be so much of this, you know, because I've seen the price of some of the, what's the correct vernacular for the the old frame time shift? Is there like a, yeah, the time shifted cards. I've seen some some pricings on them, you know, because like there's certain cards that I want. Obviously, you know, like I want a set of ponders and stuff. But I'm looking at the price of them and I'm like, this this has to go down, right? I mean, uh, they are only they come one to a box, mm-hmm. so you can only get one time shifted foil per box. From my I mean, even regular ones, yeah, yeah. Um, I I've only seen I've seen two people open up boxes and one of them got a foil Arcades the strategist strategist however you pronounce it um and then somebody else got a foil monastery mentor so i don't know if it's only one old bordered foil per box but oh are you guaranteed one you're guaranteed one that's pretty cool i don't think you're i don't think you can get more than that so these people incorrectly use the metric of invocations and masterpieces not because those invocations and masterpieces are whether they like to admit it or not they're edh cards like Sol Rings, Mana Vaults, All the Gods, uh, you know, some of those cards have cross applications like Slaughter Packs and Dark Rituals and Counter Spells and whatnot. Force of Will, yeah, yeah. Force of Will, like you could play four of those in a deck, sure. But the vast, vast majority of the cards that come out of the Invocation sets, the Full Art, Foil Borders, etc., all the the tricked out versions of cards that you've been seeing over the last few years, they're meant for Commander players. Like, so they that, only need one copy. So you only need one copy, even. Force of Will for Commander decks, for competitive Commander decks. You only need one copy. Now they've introduced the dynamic where you can have four Thoughtseize with Old Board and Foil. You can have four Ponders. You can have four Monastery Swift Spears. You have all these cards that they released that are four of's in decks. Those prices are not going to drop. Because supply A is going to be limited. And even if they do a second print run, it doesn't matter. Because people still need their four ofs, their four ofs, their four ofs, their four ofs, their four ofs for these cards. So if you're on the, if, you know, if somebody is at your FNM and they're like, oh, I opened up an old bordered foil Thoughtseize, who wants it for 50 bucks? You buy the shit out of it. Like, because that card is going to be worth infinite more down the line. Because it's, it's not a matter of only owning one copy and you're good to go. For completionists and perfectionists and, and people that want to trick out their stuff, they're going to need four copies of those cards. So that's the equivalent of, of hitting the lottery in four different boxes. So just imagine what the difficulty and scarcity of that product is going to be. When you were, when you were saying that, I thought you were going to make a direct shot at Liz about being a Jund player in Modern at some point, and they always have to foil out their decks. No, she, she fucked herself a long time ago when she decided to be one of those. I don't need to point it out. It's I... I'm a Grixis player now. I'll have yeah. you know. I saw that on Twitter the other day. You, you've you've changed affiliations. Was is it? Did Ryan have a lot to do with that, or was it just kind of no. like a natural progression? Uh, I was just playing Moto Leagues, and I kept playing against this guy whose name is like God's Shadow or something, playing like Luris Grixis Control, um, and I kept getting fucking clowned on with like he'd like Luris buy back a Snapcaster, Coligan's Command buy back a Snapcaster, make you discard a card. Just I. 
I lost like three matches to this guy, and I just started building my own version of the deck, and it's very good. Like, Modern is healing. You can just play Grixis Control again, and it's fine. <laughs> so Until the new Modern Horizons comes out. <laughs> have you, yeah, do you have any idea who this more person powerful is? powerful cards. Yeah, yeah exactly, uh, Mark. Sorry, Ross. I don't, I don't know who this person is, Ross. Uh, they did just top eight the the super IQ, the, the PGQ thing. Um, yeah. They beat good friend Kane Reynard in the last round to secure a top eight spot. Because that so might, that just sounds like the Corey Burkhardt deck. So it sounds like you've just been getting destroyed by Corey Burkhardt. Yeah, I mean, true. honestly, I've been destroying people as Corey Burkhardt. I, it's like it's like that Shaggy meme where, like, I don't know what happens. I just open the Moto League and the spirit of Corey Burkhardt possesses me. <laughs> and then two and a half hours later, I have a 5-0. Nice. And an infectious laugh. When you... <laughs> When you said that play line, I got like a little aroused. I'm not gonna lie. I got like a, <laughs> it got it got warm in here because like that's Ooh. that's definitely my kind of shit. All right, so we talked about like a lot of these supplemental sets and stuff. Again, I got a question, and every one of y'all can answer this too. So this one's this one's for you as well, Ross. We've seen some crossover stuff recently, you know, with uh, with Godzilla, uh, Walking Dead. You know, we've got a couple more coming with some pretty good stuff. We're gonna have a huge Lord of the Rings set. Liz seems pretty excited about this one. It seems like you're like it. What is, like, what's the crossover event for you? Like, what's what's the what's the what's the one that you want to see the most? Or like, it doesn't have to be the one you see the one. Like, what's your ideal crossover events? Honestly, I've already gotten it. It was Godzilla. Yeah. Or is it like, really? You can't look at the King Ghidorah card and tell me that's not the coolest fucking shit you've ever seen. Like, if you if you sure. say it's not the coolest thing, I will just backhand you. <laughs> just let it fly. Because here's the yeah. thing, I was never a big fan of like the the prior Godzilla stuff, but like believe it or not, the the more modern day Godzilla stuff, I've actually really liked. Like the last few movies that came out, I'm super excited about the new one coming out. You know, Godzilla versus I'm Kong. Team Godzilla. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm Team Godzilla. Like, like how many movie, Godzilla the, movies have they made recently? There's been a lot, but I'm talking about the recent ones. There's technically I think two. There was Godzilla and then Godzilla King of the Monsters, and uh, it's like the revamp. And I'm telling you, like. In the end scene, when he's fighting the thing, and he, like, rips the thing's head open and, like, does the, the toxic ray vomit thing down its throat or whatever. When it's killing it at the end, I was like, okay, that was awesome. We got up and started yelling in the in the theater. Um, me and, uh, you know, Brian Basoko. I'm, I'm sure, Liz, I think you know of Brian Basoko. Mark, I don't know if you know Brian Basoko. He's a, used to be an SCG grinder. He lives very close to me. We have a, uh, a, a standing date for whenever, like, the quote-unquote, like, really good bad movies come out you, you know the ones i'm talking about the ones li- like godzilla somebody goes to we always uh day drink and watch the movies together and just like have a hell of a good time it's it's i look i look forward to it every year you know because kind of so so you've already gotten yours in godzilla is there anything you'd want to see honestly most of the things i'd want to see like lord of the rings is very cool um i'm gonna like it yeah i i think that like we're gonna get some crossover with like marvel or star wars or something at some to, point right? Disney, yeah, it's just, it's just free equity. And, yeah. like, I see Ross holding his head in his hands. Uh, whether or not this is good for Magic, I don't know. I think it's cool, and ultimately, like, Ross, you like this. Uh, in the pursuit of money, capitalism taints art, and, like, Magic in its essence is kind of art, and it's just, like, we're seeing that happen in real time more and more than ever. So maybe Magic gets worse, maybe it gets better, who knows? Yeah, can you can you imagine like some of the adventures and stuff from that set being like Disney princesses and stuff, or like you know the seven the seven dwarves like like you have Cinderella in in the set like. That... Emma Handy is shook right now thinking oh, yeah. about this. Oh yeah, I gotta believe she's at least mentioned it or like she's probably um, what's what's the what's the phrase of the thing like is is it osmosis where you like steadily you know insert ideas into people's brains. 
it, well, S- no, no, subliminal like, messaging. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure she's doing something along the lines of that. At well, like you know, someone's taking a cat nap at their desk, and she just puts the the headphones on, and the headphones just her repeating over and over. You will put Disney princesses into Magic the Gathering. You will put <laughs> Disney print. You know, that kind of thing. All right, Mark, what about you? I would love to see something anime inspired. I gotta believe that's coming too, right? At some point. Yeah, I mean, like you can use DBZ. the metric of. Uh, of uh puzzle and dragons puzzle dragons is a game you can play on your phone it's extremely popular um it's not like a a very streamable game but it's it's played by an outrageously large amount of people they do crossover events constantly so like one week it'll be like dragon ball z then it'll be lord of the rings then it'll be marvel then it'll be dc you know they just they do stuff like that uh and it really broadens the horizons of people that that want to play it and i think that that the anime market is obviously huge enough to where if they were to do like a secret lair attack on Titan, like just, you know, or, or my hero academic, like something that's like considered one of the big four right now for, for animes um, that it would, you know, in terms of different markets as well, globally, it would, it would be an absolute out of the park home run for, uh, for, you know, potential inclusivity and bringing in people, that you know otherwise would be like well oh my god attack on titan is my favorite anime like of all time i wear the shirts i have the you know the funko pops of the of the founding titan blah 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 like i you know they like i, I want to play this now and they that could be a good gateway to bring them into magic ross do you have a do you have one that you would like to i know your opinion on this but do you have one that you would like to see i am i've been racking my brain trying to come up with something like the Simpsons, like, uh, or no. would you just it, would that taint it too much for you? Well, the Simpsons has been dead for twenty years, so like, I I can't imagine that would go well. I just don't like none of the things I engage with outside of Magic are things I want to have commodified via Magic. And you're talking about all these crossovers with like films and stuff. I watched a movie last night. It was about the Irish Revolution. Are we gonna make like the James Connolly card? No, I I, I don't want to see that happen. So secret layer gangs of New York. Yeah, just no. Because like I, I have some that I would like to see, and like Liz, you kind of nailed it. Like you know, um, I, I was never super into like comic books. You know, I, I did a decent bit, but I, I like to read and stuff a lot. And you know, growing up, I love superheroes, right? You know, I was a big like Iron Man and X Men fan growing up. And if you know, if Marvel or DC had a big crossover thing of magic, I'd, I'd be all for it. And you know, y'all, y'all kind of touched on this. Um, you know, you, you think about it. Uh. God, I literally just blanked the name of the game. What's the game that uh, everybody plays? Fortnite. You know, Fortnite has a big crossover with, like, Marvel. I could not think of the name Fortnite. Please laugh at me more. Liz, I'm old. No, okay? God bless no. you. You're able to forget about it. I've never yeah, played I, the game. So, I'm like, jealous. But, you know, I play Warzone. You know, it's like the – that's probably the more boomer version of Fortnite. You know, like, the, a lot of people in my generation play that game. And I'll tell you this. When I saw the crossover event they had with, you know, Marvel stuff, and you could buy, like, the Marvel skins, you get to – your character looks like that. Here's the funny part. With Warzone, you do like never see yourself at, like ever. You don't you don't see yourself from that point of view. I would have spent an ungodly amount of money to make myself the Green Arrow or to make myself Iron Man, like running around with my, you know, gun and shooting people or whatever, like just to have it in the game. Same thing with some magic cards, right? You know, like have my have my uh Delver secrets turn into the Hulk on the other side. You know, it's Bruce Banner on one side, it's the Hulk on the other or whatever. Like I would never use them in a tournament. But I'd have to have it because it's cool as shit. I like that stuff. And l- let's be real. The nostalgia helps out a lot. You know, obviously at some point if they start doing this like multiple times a year. I'm probably going to be like, all right, you need to stop. You, know, you are doing much. it multiple times a year. That's literally happening right now. Well, I, I, 
not everything. I think they get. I think they can give us a little taste every now and then. I think there's too many secret layers and stuff going on. Like I can't even keep up with how many. Plus, haven't they like not even shipped all of them that like people have paid for? Yeah. So like, I don't know. I don't know how to keep up with all that. But all right. So I want to make sure we have enough time to do everything on here. We do a couple fun things on the show. I want to hear where we take some mailbag questions or I don't know if you've ever heard of this. We have this segment on the show that we do now. It's pretty popular. It's called Overrated Underrated. And so uh, people give us a topic. And I hope that like uh, you know, the topics are kind of tailored towards us. They know what we're into. But hopefully y'all can help out here. Because I'm going to They're say pretty the generic. They're pretty generic mostly. I'm going to say a topic and y'all tell me whether you think it's overrated or underrated and why. And uh, let, let's see what we got here. I got I to pull this up. It's going to take just a second. But... Um, I have a feeling y'all are going to have some really funny ones to go with. Let me uh, scroll through the thing so we make sure we get some of the last ones. Um, okay. A great first one. This is from Massimo. Jund and just mid-range decks in modern. Underrated. Let's what? go. Uh, Thoughtseize is the best thing to be doing at all times. Uh, I was big on Tarmogoyf. Now I'm big on Snapcaster Mage. Uh, if you don't like mid-range, you're just wrong. Ooh, I like it. Mark, what about That's- you? overrated <laughs> boo um th- like the problem is is that they don't teach you how to do for the average player a good player like liz it's fine but the average player that's just trying to learn they don't understand how to switch gears and treat it like a control deck when it needs to be a control deck or an aggro deck when it needs to be an aggro deck they just don't have that kind of finesse so i think that they're very overrated in that regard because they just they don't they don't let you become better at one specific strategy if you're trying to do both at the same time Love it. All right. Uh, I swear we didn't, like, Taylor pick these for y'all, but it looks like it is, because the next one is Cheerwine. Did I say it right? What what is Cheerwine? Delicious is what it is. Uh, uh, This is the part of the cast where I ask all Emma Handys to stop listening for the sake of our friendship. (laughs) I knew this was coming. It's kind of bad. Is that why she likes it, though? She's like, it's like the bad thing that you like. Well, she's like from the like she's from Asheville, which is like where it's brewed, like where they where so they make it. I got a double across. What the hell is it? Because I see her it's tweet soda. about it all the time. It's what? It's, yeah, it's like a cherry soda. It says it oh, says it, black it cherry. Alcoholic. Okay, so it's just a cherry soda. It's not alcoholic in any way. I'm, I'm no. assuming y'all probably mix it with something every now and then, huh? But no, no. <laughs> there was a cheer. There was a cheer wine beer that was actually really good. Yeah, but cheer wine itself is just like too sweet, too sticky. Okay. Okay. Uh, here, here, here's a good one for y'all. Uh, Kanye, his personality, his music, however you want. Underrated. I, I, I figured, Mark, I would have guessed you would say underrated. Yeah. I don't enjoy his music. I don't subscribe to his philosophies, but I imagine that people felt the same way about Michael Jackson in the eighties. You know that there's there's very little in the way of denying somebody's intrinsic brilliant, you know, nature, and and he is. He is, unfortunately, our generation's Michael Jackson. I agree with Mark. Dude's a, a fucking genius. Uh, I Not for me all the time, but, like, change the game in a way that, you know, you can't deny. All right, next one is Sprite. Sprite is overrated. Okay. Sprite is overrated. McDonald's Sprite is underrated. Like specific, like just because, like out of the out of the the paper cup they give you, you like it? That you like the taste of it, or it's just no, like they, the syrup they have an they exclusive use. contract. Do mm-hmm. they really? Yeah, McDonald's has exclusive contracts with the people that they get their sodas from from Coca Cola. They're only they're the only company in the world that's allowed to sell their sodas. So when you hear people say like, "Why is Coca Cola from McDonald's so much better?" Well, it's it's housed and served differently than anywhere else. I, today I learned. 
Yeah, McDonald's Coke is the best Coke. It's like yeah. far and Even away. Even if the you best. don't like Coke, McDonald's Coke is fucking delicious. Because mm-hmm. see, I I would say underrated here, which is hilarious because I actually don't drink soda. Like the last time I had a soda by itself was probably like early two thousands, like I think two thousand and two, probably something like that. Like easily like you know fifteen years or whatever. But when I have a mixed drink. I put a little bit of Sprite in it. Like, whiskey and Sprite is, like, my my my, my jam. That's usually the, the thing I go with. Um, Ross, if you have an opinion, you can jump in on these. I'm just trying to, like, gauge how popular Sprite is, right? Like, that's it's step one, popular. engaging whether something is underrated or overrated. Isn't it the, it's the LeBron uh, soda? Yeah. Oh, actually, no, he ju- he switched over to Pepsi. Oh. What? Yeah, okay. this this past week. He, he is now, uh, he's now, promo- he's going to be promoting a new flavor of Mountain Dew soon. Ooh. Hell yeah. Mark's all in there. <laughs> all right. Here's a good one. I think Ross is going to have a, an opinion on this one. Hopefully he does. Uh, the movie Wolf of Wall Street. I actually have seen this movie. I'm very surprised. Go ahead. Um, It was not good. It was ve- definitely it, way overrated. It was very annoying and very long. Like I just spent the entire movie wanting a meteor to hit the screen and it to end. It's It's overrated for me. I think it's. Obviously, Leonardo DiCaprio is like an amazing actor. A lot of the actors, everyone in the movie was great. You know, it was very well done. But I have it in the same kind of instance where like, you know, I put like the Punisher and like the Joker and stuff where like, if you can't accept it for what it is, and you see these people like idolizing it, you know, idolizing the characters out of it for all the wrong reasons. I have, a, I kind of have a problem with it for that. How do y'all feel? I actually fully agree with that. I, it's one of those things where, like, I enjoy the movie. I hate the fandom, and the fandom mm-hmm. is so bad that it makes me hate the movie. He's in the Tyler Durden category. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, yeah. It, it's one of those where, like, it's it's the personification of of Tucker Max's. I hope they serve beer in hell. Like, it 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 became that kind of crowd. Like, if you're not an alpha male, you're a beta male. If you're not doing rails of cocaine off of a hooker's ass, like, what are you really doing with your life, bro? Like, you know, I don't know, not getting STDs, I guess. Like, that's... <laughs> Having fulfilling relationships with my friends, I guess. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Liz? Uh, I've never seen it, but every person I know who has seen it is fucking insufferable, so... Overrated. <laughs> love it, love it. I guess Ross goes into that as I'm, well. I'm inclined to say that I probably watched it because I know Kristen Milioti is in it, and... Uh, I would probably watch any movie that has Kristen Milioti. She's only she's in the great. first like twenty minutes. So yeah, there you go. which is probably why I spent the rest of the movie wanting it to end. I was yeah, like, Kristen Milioti's <laughs> gone. I have no reason to be here anymore. Yeah. All right. The next subject is limousines. Overrated. Yeah, very overrated. Very, very underrated for what you can do in a limousine. <laughs> I, I don't know if we should go any deeper on that. When that black glass goes up, uh... the Mark, how tall are you? <laughs> I. I'm 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 a lunchable. <laughs> I'm, I'm six four. Oh, oh oh god! I you know, I can't I do anything in a car. Yeah, I forget how tall you are sometimes. Um, I'll say this for limousines. I got to go with overrated, but limo service is underrated because most of the time it's not a limo, and it's like cheaper and better than Uber if you can find it in the right areas. Like I used to, uh, Jonathan Job and I used to t- partake of it a lot. In uh, like we'd fly in and out of Vegas. We wouldn't take a cab. We wouldn't take an Uber. We'd just like call one of the, the local casinos or whatever, be like, hey, you know, come get us. They'd be like, okay. And they just like pick you up in an escalate or something. I have a, I have a good story that relates to this. Sure. Um, so I was, it was my senior year of high school. And uh, that year I was on the newspaper staff because a friend of mine was one of the editors and he just needed somebody else and he begged me to do it. So I did newspaper for a year. 
and at the uh, in the spring, our high school newspaper always goes to the Columbia Scholastic Press Convention at Columbia University in New York, and you're there for like three or four days, and there's two nights where you're uh, uh, you know unsupervised essentially, but to make sure you're supervised, they plan for you to go to Broadway shows, and they get the half price tickets from whatever that booth is called, like. Um, and you like you go to Broadway or sometimes off Broadway shows. Like we, I went to a thing called Drumstruck, where ever it was like African drumming, and everybody in the audience had a little drum, and you drummed along with them. It was pretty fun. Um, but afterwards, like you just kind of had to navigate your way back to the hotel you were staying in. And I was in this group of twelve people, and we just were like couldn't hail a cab for some reason. I don't know. We were incompetent. We were like sixteen. And as we were in the process of trying to do this, somebody just comes around from the corner and is like, yo, do you all need a ride? And I was like, yeah, I've got a limo around the corner. And at 16, we're all just like, are we about to get killed? Uh, but no, <laughs> he had a limousine around the corner and it was like, it was cheaper than the cab. And we literally just rode a limo like 30 blocks through Manhattan back to the hotel. And it was awesome. So, nice. but still limos overrated. We have right. very different stories about what happens inside of the right? <laughs> All right, let's see here. All right, uh, Oreos, regular, double stuff, other variants, go nuts. Super stuffed. So you, you think they're underrated, I'm guessing. Oh, you like they're the fucking best. Overrated. They're just way worse than Hydrox. I got to go with overrated now, too, mostly because I'm lactose intolerant now, and that you can't have them without milk. So Okay, I was going to say, because if you think they have dairy in them, they do not. They're vegan. <laughs> I'm aware. Yeah, I'm aware. Oh, they're vegan. Yeah, Oreos, yeah. Oreos are vegan. Are vegan. Yeah. Liz, big. I'm really big into the golden Oreos, which I know is is a, a spicy take. What, what is what's like? What makes it golden? Is it just a different color, or is it a different? It's taste? like it's like vanilla cream. It's like just like vanilla cookie and vanilla cream. Oh, so so the cookie isn't like black. Yeah. The cookie is different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like a little lemony too, almost. I think. I don't know. I that I can't delightful. pick out flavors. I love it. Ugh, hate lemon. You like those though? Okay. I'm okay with Oreos, but with the the original ones. Any ones that try to add way too much of the filling, it gets out of whack. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm like going through someone that'll that'll be a little better. We're going to skip a few here. All right. Uh, Kamigawa Block. Underrated. underrated. Yeah, definitely underrated. I definitely agree there. It was my, it was my first, like, first real set, my first P2U ever played in. I won it, so I went to my first pro tour on that one and stuff. A lot of good memories for that set. I, I have some good memories of Kamigawa Block, but my primary memory of it is how annoying it was to write deck lists. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> Fair play. Like, not only were the cards, like, you know, Kokosho, the morning star, or whatever, you, know, you had to write it all out. I played the Gifts Ungiven deck, so you had, like, 16 one-ofs. So your deck list is, like, infinitely long, and you had to write out every single goddamn word in it, so. That block was very, very good. I don't know if you've ever had a deck that had multiple wax main Bakus in it, but, man. Oh, yeah. That's how you learn, that's how you learn a new player. <laughs> all right, also, here we go. as a finance tip, uh, foil old legends are underpriced right now. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, like, just all the stuff from that set has got to be gold. All right, this is another good one. Um, Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson. So I'm guessing that specific rivalry. Wasn't this also a video game? I I don't know. Mark would probably know that more than I would. I think it was. I wouldn't be surprised that it's a video game, but I'm going to go with... Celtics was a game, I, I believe. Yeah. I'm going to go with it has to be slightly underrated now because, you know, there's a whole generation of people who, like, don't even know who those people are and never saw them play. So I don't know who those people are. Basketball players. they <laughs> That's all you need to know, but let's. I want to hear. I want to hear Mark and uh, Ross's opinion on this. They might. Uh, Ross is old enough to have like 
I, it's, a, it's an old joke. He isn't really old enough to see him play, but he's seen enough, like, video and stuff of all this and probably has, like, a very informed... Uh, I think this question was directed at him, is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's sort of an interesting one because they both had their careers cut short. Uh, Bird, due to injuries, his back basically gave out, and Magic Johnson, because uh, he contracted HIV uh, in an era where it was much more heavily stigmatized. Um, and... So they, they both played, you know, like 12-ish years. I mean, you know, and so, like, Larry had the edge early, and they and he won a little bit more early. He won three straight MVPs in the early to mid-'80s. And then Magic was better in the late-'80s. Uh, he ended up winning a little bit more. I think he has five titles to Bird's three. Um, you know, the, their numbers are close. When you think about translating them to the modern game, you've got to sort of take Larry's shooting and, and playmake. Uh, well, they're both incredible playmakers, but, but Larry being able to playmake from a forward position, although Magic could have done that too, I guess. He just didn't. Uh, but, but mainly the shooting. Um, you know, I would say peak is probably Larry along jet, like, you know, over the course of their career, you probably take Magic. Both players are usually, you know, if you ask a basketball uh, fan, like their top 10 players of all time, they're usually both in it. They're usually both in the five or like four to eight range. I'd say Magic has a slight edge most of the time. Um, especially because he's universally thought of as the best point guard of all time. That that tends to help. Um, he was also a bit, I, I would say, a little bit more exciting. Those Laker, the Showtime Laker teams played really up-tempo, uh, fun basketball. Uh, I, I'm a little bit biased, you know, looking from a modern perspective, because I, it's hard for me to get away from Bird's shooting. But if you were, if you were to take that out, I would say Magic has the edge. Also, that rivalry is now underrated. Because the, the NBA in the 70s was really shit. They were getting ravaged by cocaine. They uh, were, you know, didn't have the talent to fill out the league as much. And, um, the, like, they were getting rivaled by the ABA for a while. I think that, like, their NBA finals in the 70s were getting, like, preempted. Like, it, it was it was bad. It was not looking good for the NBA. And it was the Magic Bird rivalry that really revitalized the NBA in the 80s. Uh, and then and Michael Jordan really took it to new heights in the 90s. And so, uh, you know, a lot, MJ, I think, gets a little bit overrated in that regard. He's still the, the most influential basketball player of all time and will be for a very long time. But I, I think a little bit overrated in that regard, whereas that rivalry and those two players really, uh, you know, carried the NBA for a very long time. Hmm. All right. Next one. This would be a, a shorter answer, I'm sure, for all of us. Seasoned Salt. I'm going underrated. I love seasoned salt. What do people not know how to mix their seasoning? Yeah, that, yeah that's I my mean, thing. Just do it yourself. Yeah, you could do it yourself, but like it's pretty. Like I, I'm just a big fan of garlic salt, and it makes just a lot of stuff way easier. Where if I if, it, if I don't need a ton of garlic for something, I can kind of just make this like an easy, easy thing. Though but I am a fresh garlic you, you have, guy, but I mean sometimes you need powder garlic, and like you have powder garlic and you have salt, and you put them together. Bro, it just tastes good. All right, I like it. To be fair, it's like the people that use like the the buttered popcorn type salt. Yeah, like you could have salt on your popcorn, you could have butter on your popcorn, but can you have buttered salt flavoring on your popcorn? <laughs> uh, I think it's mad overrated, and I want to caveat that with uh, another question that I'm going to ask, which is MSG overrated or underrated? Underrated. MSG is just flavor, and the only reason it's demonized is because of racism. Yeah, I was about to say I think it's underrated. Yeah. That's just demonstrable. I was going to say the response to it is overrated. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's it's incredibly like I used to work at PF Chang's for for years when I was younger and putting myself through college, and everybody would be like, "Well, does it have MSG in it? What does it have?" In it? And we, you know, we had to be like, "No, it doesn't have MSG in it." But like, it would have only made your food better. Yeah, mm-hmm. and tons of things have MSG in them that like nobody ever questions at all. It's it's completely ridiculous. All right, a good then. chef has a salt pig and an MSG pig in their kitchen. Nice. Like, you just have good to have point. both. That's a good point. Uh, the next one, evaluating spoilers. I'm going to say overrated because we all suck at it. And then when I say everybody, I mean everybody but me. All right, go ahead. Overrated. Overrated. Um, yeah, I, I. my issue is the way people go about it. Everybody always tries to, like, sort of create a ranking of cards or just rank everything or describe everything in absolutes. You know, card X is good. Card X is great. Card Y is broken. Card Z is shit. And the way you need to be evaluating cards is always in context. How do I maximize this card? What kind of home is best for it? What tools exist in whatever format I'm thinking about, standard, modern, historic, pioneer, to the, uh, that elevate this card? And what are the issues with it that I need to mitigate in, deck, in building around it or building with it to make sure this card is at its best? That's what you need to be doing. So, And, you know, that's a, a much more fun exercise and a much more fruitful exercise than this is the best card in the set. Well, how many cards have been historically overlooked during spoiler season? When you look at, I mean, is it is it is a very young man? I remember when Ravnica came out, the original Ravnica set, and Graveshell Scarab was a fifteen dollar rare, and I was walking around the room, getting every Dark Confidant that I could from people, every single one, foils, regular ones, just couldn't stop getting them. I was like, I need to hoard this card. It's going to be incredible. Termogoyf, people thought was 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 uh, was, it was a like garbage a $5 card, card first. It was like a Tooth and Nail. Maybe. During mirrored and block, yep. you know nobody knew it was good until block happened, and then people realized, oh my god, this card could be better outside of block. Oh my god, I can play Orzotron lands instead of Cloud Post. Like it, it was. There's so many. It's like what I said earlier: is everybody wants to be the smartest person in the room, so they they compare everything to everything. Why is this card? Is this card as good as Dark Confidant was? Is this card as good as Lightning Bolt was, or as Ponder was? Because when Preordain came out. People thought that it was a garbage version of Ponder, like, and, and that's and that just shows you how bad people are at, at, at advocating for cards. And I think it's incredibly overrated because so many people just think that they're they're godlike at it. When in reality, none of us know shit until a tournament happens. <laughs> and and that's another incomplete analysis. Like w- when you say this is just a bad version of card X. If card X is a good card, then there's a lot of space be- to be a worse yeah. version of it and still be good. You know, you, you you then have like you you could say yeah, like, I'm not gonna you know put preordains in my deck inst- or instead of ponders, but do I want to play more than four of them? You know that because that should then be your next question. And people just don't do that. They look to get the right answer on the on the very first question of their analysis, and it ends up being oversimplified as a result. I'm trying to pick a few more fun ones in here. We'll we'll get done with these. Just a few more um, Irish coffees. I'm gonna say underrated because they're delicious. Overrated because they don't get me drunk enough. Okay. Underrated oh. by me. I think I don't give them enough credit. Yeah? Have you had one recently? I haven't had one recently, and I think that's probably a mistake, you know? Like, I, mm-hmm. I think I, I think I put them at, like, a C when... Every time I have them, they're, like, a, a B plus. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I'm not sure if I've ever seen anyone order one or drink one in my entire life. <laughs> I have them whenever I'm in a... I see it a lot. <laughs> I used to drink them. I used to drink them over being. Uh, we'd be like walking around New Orleans, and it's like before noon, 
And like, there's just certain drinks that like you feel more comfortable if you're like, I'm going to drink before noon. I feel more comfortable drinking an Irish coffee than I do being like, yo, give me some whiskey or something, you know, like, you know, like, I don't feel like going like it, it just feels like you're going less and degenerate. That's where we're different people. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Tan and I have no I'm, shame. Sometimes, sometimes. I remember when I was over in Belgium for the Pro Tour, and I walked up to a bartender, and I said, I'll have a, a Kettle One on the rocks. And he goes, what does, what does on rocks mean? And I go, it's a cup of vodka and uh, just ice, and ice, that's it. Yeah. And he goes, okay. So he gets a red Solo cup, and he fills it almost to the top of vodka and puts ice in it. He goes, this is a uh, on the rocks, right? And I'm like... Fuck yeah, man. We're in Rome. <laughs> I'm like walking around like this gorgeous architecture with like some of the greatest magic players having incredible imposter syndrome. And I'm just like, the only way I'm going to get through this is if I'm fucking hammered. So they're all like, you know, like sipping their lattes and, you know, you their know, $6 waters. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You got like GCB there, like just drinking like, you know, like mm, this is a wonderful, like, ooh, I taste notes of nutmeg. And I'm like, I'm like, fucking look at that building's got a gargoyle. I'm like, shit. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, I'll go hard before noon if it's, like, an LSU football game or something, you know, but it's like you said, you know, it depends on where you're raised, like, you know, what's going on around you kind of stuff, so, I don't know, uh, we had another couple of good ones, I'm, I'm just kind of picking a few from here, uh, breakfast cereals used as donut toppings, I'm gonna go I with- I ate one today! It, it was amazing, right? It was delicious. It yeah, was Lucky <laughs> Charms and it had vanilla frosting. I wish y'all could see uh, Mark's face right now. He just lit up like a fucking Christmas tree. It was so good. The little fucking crispy on yeah. top with the marshmallows. Look at Liz. Look at Liz. <laughs> I've, I've never had a donut what? with breakfast cereal topping, but I can just imagine like a donut with Lucky Charms as topping. They're wonderful. Oh. I'm... <sighs> Is, is it warm in here? It is warm in here. <laughs> it did just get take your clothes off. I, I was going to say, you might have yeah. to look the, into the Krispy Kreme hot sign is on. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I think we can we can uh, we can end it right there for this week. We'll we'll have the mailbag up uh, next week for us, Ross. But um, before we leave, I have a few other things to talk about. I know Liz and Mark. I'm very thankful for y'all being on the show this week, and our listeners at home are probably super thankful as well. Uh, thanks for coming in. You know, y'all gave more secrets of the trade that, that i thought y'all would and i think that's awesome that you're willing to to share that with our viewers and listeners at home and i really appreciate it. i know they do why don't you go ahead and talk a minute about you know where they can reach out to you you know if they wanted to buy some stuff from you or sell stuff to you let's let's make sure that they get that opportunity to do so liz we can start with you yeah um you can find me on twitter at devoted druid i do deals there i ship posts there uh, sometimes I get mad and yell at people there. Um, you can also find me on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash thelizlin, where I, in theory, write finance articles, give out artisanal boosty bags, and uh, do one-on-one -on -one consulting calls about magic finance. So if you, if you liked the, uh, the, the tricks of the trade that I gave today, I can do that with you. Um, but mostly Twitter. Yeah, I, I, I love connecting with people. I love the community. So hit me up there. Mark? You were one of my favorite follows on Twitter. In fact, y'all too. I, you know, you have certain people on Twitter that you'll kind of scroll by a little more often than not, and there's people you always read everything they post. Y'all, y'all, Ross, I scroll by, but y'all are like two people that I 100% <laughs> zero in on when I hear this stuff. Mark, where can people uh, find more of your wares? I am also on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Dynamo Nestico. Uh, I do big sales, and I mean like really like half, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 100. We've been breaking out $250,000 worth of inventory over the last few months. Um, so you can find me there. We do sales bi-weekly. 
Um, and if you ever need a card, just message me um, and I'll tell you what our, our website is and where you can get it and using promo codes and stuff like that. But um, I would also uh, advocate checking out Liz's Patreon too. I think that she does incredible work over there and that it's, right. it's if you. you're looking to get into the game, do the right thing and give yourself the best chance. And before I move on to closing the show, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about our sponsor, Bear Stern Man. That's Man of Two Ends. Make sure you check out their website, BearSternMan.com. Uh, lots of really cool stuff going on there. I, I got to ask you, Mark, a few questions since it, you look like you could be a customer of this of, the, of this company. Do you use any beard oils? I uh, I just bought my first beard kit. Mm-hmm. How's it? It's, how's it going for you? I haven't used it yet, but I would really, really like to have a little bit more firmness and silky smoothness mm-hmm. in my beard. Well, I got sent some beard oil the other day, and uh, you can see my face right now. I am a I am a facial hair guy, but I'm not a beard guy. You know, I'm the I'm the five o'clock shadow type dude. So I don't use it very much. So what I, what I might do is a, is a thank you for being on the show, and Liz, I'll try to find something for you. Uh, I might send you a little a little gift uh, in in the mail, and maybe uh, I, I'm I'm literally looking on my floor right now because I I was looking through some stuff because you made me think about it the other day. I have some um, NES and Super NES. And Nintendo 64 cartridges on the floor next to me, and I might just send a few to you. Just sell them to me. That's uh, something else for people. Sell me your video games. That's I also, I'll leave it. Also, have an, an original Game Boy that still works. That thing is a brick. Uh, I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. I have a Game Boy Pocket, a Game Boy Color, and a Game Boy Advance. Wow, you were uh, super into Game Boy. Yeah. Uh, but back to back to Bearster Man real quick. Uh, make sure you check out their stuff on their website. Lots of cool stuff there. Not just beard oils, lots of soaps, hand soaps, uh, shaving stuff as well. I'm a big fan of their shaving stuff. Mark, have you ever gotten like a professional shave before? Yeah, it was the most central experience of my life. So oh, I can't wait to get one again. I'm so excited. Yeah. I, what's the phrase they talk about? Like, I want to feel like I'm going to get whacked, you know, like in one of those gangster movies, you know, you're yeah. like, you, know, you just, you sit back on the, on the thing and they, they put the hot towel on you, whatever. You can have some of that at home with some of the products from Barrister and Man. They uh, they sent me. Um, it's called shave butter, and one of the what what's the the phrase for it? It's the it's the little shave brush, but it's you know it's like the professional one, and you have to like lather it up and then lather it onto your face. It's called so, a like, shaving brush, Tannen. Yeah, shaving brush. Sure. <clears throat> so okay. I actually do that and put a in <laughs> like I used to never like shave. I used to just trim, but when they sent me the stuff, I like I've re gone back to shaving, and it's. It's the best shaves I've ever had. My skin is better. My shave is better. My razors last longer. You're glowing. Dude, I love it. I, I like. I actually look forward to it every week. I just got some new ones in the mail the other day, so I can't wait to try out the new... Because they're scented. You can get scented ones as well. So oh, if your wife likes a certain scent... Like, I got lavender because, you know, my wife likes lavender. Oh, I love lavender. Yeah. Uh, what's the one? You always get Seville? Seville's is my scent, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, maybe I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, talk to the, I'll talk to the owner over there and... Uh, See if we can't get you hooked up, Ooh, uh, Mark, as well. So make I sure you advocate. Yeah, exactly. A uh, little, little, uh, another little, you know, cross working we got going there. So make sure y'all check out that's barristerman.com. Lots of cool stuff on there for you or your friends. Lots of cool gifts on there as well. Uh, I did a lot of stocking stuffers off, off their stuff myself this year. And make sure you use the code MTG Rants for 15% off. Mark, Liz, thank you so much for showing up today. I, I think this is the most fun I've had recording an episode in a while i gotta say y'all were great uh ross you want to say anything before we go nah <laughs> nah you're, you're <laughs> off it all right well where, where, can, where can people find you, you gotta do your little spiel where can people find you if they want some more of your a stuff lot of places twitter not twitter the um, scg all the stuff we've been here for two hours everybody knows where to find me tannin 
Yeah, they know where to find everything. Go on our Twitters. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the website. Go to the website, and you'll find everything there. So uh, thanks for listening this week. We've got to do this again sometime soon with Liz and Mark. I adored having you all on the show. So thank you again so much, and thank you all for listening this week, and we'll see you all next week. It's the, it's the Black Lotus for your commander. You remember this? So imagine somebody burns down a rainforest. <laughs> <laughs>